and welcome back to Power Pick Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. I'm Meg. And I'm Jen's mom. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. In this episode, we feature typically Pufuanian on-topic discussion. We would never ever say Snape scathed. We would say Snape said scathingly. Not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> I love really? Snape. <laughs> I love him, and he's good, and we're going to find out he's good, and... and there Jen. is gold at the end of the rainbow, darn it! There's no way we have wank. We don't care enough about the fans of to have wank. I think I I forgot to put my car in park. Boys I and just... girls, there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. Oh my god! Yeah, but there's also a thing called vitrificus totalis. So the mouse is shivering in the toilet, and Ryan's like, "Well, I have to kill it." And I was like, "You can't kill it now. It has a will to live." There, there's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch. Not. While on the toilet. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth, but like I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. I'm feeling pretty groovy. I can touch my toes to the faucet. I can turn on the sink with my feet. It's like the Manhattan Project. Don't take offense to this guys, but you guys are the most dysfunctional people. <laughs> no, they're not. And uh Fick Weekly. Harry is not Chi. Harry is Harry. Lady Chi will be playing Meg tonight. I'm not that cuddly. <laughs> I have to just tell you, Chi and I are sending messages back and forth to each other during the episode saying, go to hell, blow me. And, she's the, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you this way. I'm the one saying go to hell. Honestly, Thank Ryan, you know. out of the four of us, who's the one who doesn't fight? Chi. What? Young Ron. <laughs> There's no reason to fret. I said, young Ron. <laughs> da, 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 da. You just stay there. <laughs> At Hogwarts, you can something, something, something. Da, 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 da. Yo, Ron, the next time you're feeling jealous of me, cause I'm so famous. Awesome at Quidditch Just remember that time That we took you to Slughorn's office And you nearly drank yourself to death But I saved your Welcome back to Powerfic Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Chi. This is Meg. I'm P.S. Mike. I love how Mike's not like, this is Mike. I'm Mike. He's like, Mike, present. <laughs> All right, everybody. Here, like, standing up in the classroom like, don't miss me. Okay. Don't miss me. Here's the deal, everybody. You're not going to believe what happened to me tonight. Now, it is Valentine's Day as we're recording this. So, Chi... Happy anniversary. We've it's, been doing this a year. We've been doing Parfic <laughs> Weekly for... Well, I've been doing it for a year. You've been doing it for a year minus five weeks because it took us a while to get you on the show. But happy That's anniversary. And, I, and as I told you in Soundcheck, if this were our wedding anniversary, one of us would be dead and one of us would be in prison. So I'm very glad things worked out the way they did. Exactly, exactly. Ryan and I have a very loving but slightly antagonistic relationship. It's the most platonic relationship you're ever going to see in the world. Like my, I would hold her it, hair back if she were throwing up Sprite. What you, <laughs> Meg, how you doing? Meg! Meg! Hi! How you doing? Good. You'll I'm remember, here! I'm so excited! You'll remember Meg from September. <laughs> I know! That's not true! Meg is the perfect example of she went to the bathroom, she'll be right back, and then you, like she comes back four years later played by a different actress. <laughs> How you guys doing? How you doing? <laughs> so Meg, this how? is my first time with Meg. Ooh, P.S. Meg. I know, it Hug. is. Hug. 
<laughs> okay, you really can't do yeah. hugging on the podcast, apparently. All right, so I'll take I actually did move it. my arms in a hug. In a hug. Did you really? Did you rock back and forth? No, I clapped you... silently. I, I clapped I out loud. That's my internet hugging. That... Um, I t- Meg told me she was coming back today, and I was very excited. And I told Meg that having her back on the show, and Jen's going to be here in a little bit too, um, was going to be like drinking a warm cup of tea. It's finally going to feel like Potterfic Weekly again. Like the family's all back. Like one of those reunion episodes of the Cosby Show where they're all like, woohoo, everybody's here. <laughs> it's going to oh, be I had so a single tear. There was a single tear. I, I know. <laughs> I just. I'm seriously, Meg, I'm hugging my laptop right now. You're Aww, back. I'm so happy <laughs> Oh, my God. This is, like, killing me. I'm drowning in mush. Well, Meg is my you partner. You love it, you Stop. Hufflepuff. Oh, no, speaking of Meg Hufflepuff, I have to say, as a proud Hufflepuff, this house almost killed me today, and I'll tell you why in a moment. All right, now, this is what's happening, everybody. Today is Valentine's Day. I am in Massachusetts. Danielle is in New York City with everybody- Jen. Everybody, moment of moment of mourning for Ryan. Aww. Jen is on a Valentine's date right now with my fiance. I'm in Massachusetts, and Danielle is telling Jen things about me, and I don't know what she's telling her. But Jen has not stopped giggling at me all day. Oh, no. Well, dear. All right, Never now mind. here's the deal. We're gonna, we're... Don't worry, she and I will know. All right, sooner he, here's the deal. Everybody. I sympathize, Ryan. All right, here's the deal. We are going live to Jen right now. We are calling Jen. Now, I have instructed Jen not to answer her cell phone because you people have to hear what her voicemail is. Calling Jen now. Do you think she remembered not to answer the phone? Probably not. No. It's going to be like, hi, guys. It's going to be like, <laughs> no. Jen. Now, I called her this morning. I talked to her this afternoon in the Museum of Natural History. I was like, are you <laughs> Museum of National <laughs> History. He called I me like Nat- times today. Oh, my God. This is like a competition of who loves Jen the most. <laughs> I talked to her a lot. It's fine. You reached Jennifer's phone. I'm not here right now. I've either lost my phone or it's dead or I just forgot it at home. But anyway, leave a message. And as soon as I find my phone or turn it on or charge it up, I will give you a call back. Bye. <laughs> to page this person, press 5 now. Hi, Jen. This is Perfect Weekly. How are you? Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. <laughs> Jen, we all love you the most. Mike wins because he's flying in to see you. I'm only coming by train. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Ron, yeah, what was, un- what was unfortunate about Jen? I terminated the entire podcast. I'm taking this opportunity to crunch. <laughs> he's like, oh, thank God I can chew. He was like, well, that came in just as scheduled. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. I did. As soon as it dropped the call, I started crunching. All right. Here's the deal. So now we are going to get Jen back on the podcast, and you are going to hear what you people have done to me. This is Jen. Oh, I thought that was like your message or something. You're like, this is Jen speaking. (laughs) Welcome, peons. Jen! Hi! Jen! All right, now, Jen, I love you dearly. You know that. You and me were close, right? You and me were... were, were, Yeah, we're we're tight, buddy. We're we're very tight. Now, (laughs) we were tighter before you met Danielle, and she told you everything about me. I can't help but feel. 
Wait, say it again. Flush a toilet? <laughs> what is that? Jam, we're apologizing. Someone's actually peeing during the podcast. Someone hasn't read Are you my. Serious? Someone hasn't read my standards memo. Apparently, you have. We have standards. <laughs> All right. It's seriously standard, like somebody flushed the toilet. <laughs> I thought that was like a desk being pushed across. That the was me throwing my keys on the floor. <laughs> Jen, can I call you back? Just <laughs> Jen, Jen, Jennifer. All right, focus. What? All right. What? Now, I can't help but feel, Jen, that yes. since you and Danielle have spent, you know, more than a day together talking oh. about things, yes. you know, just people random people things <laughs> that you and I yeah, no one in particular no, no one that you and I aren't quite as tight because as Danielle put it she no longer thinks you're as perfect as she thought you were before may I ask why could it possibly um, be because maybe you think that Ryan's a little bit egocentric now <laughs> know your place no. go to your place no I have had the loveliest conversations with Danielle I've really you know, you feel you, like you know someone really, really well. Someone you talk to almost every day for a year. She's talking about and, me right here, everybody. Yep. <laughs> and then what happened, Jen? And then I spent a weekend with your fiance. No, you haven't. You got there Wednesday and it's Thursday. Well, yeah, but I'm talking hours spent talking. We've talked a weekend's worth. And, that was a typo uh, there, everybody. All right, carry on. <laughs> yeah, actually, we were up to like one or two in the morning last night talking about you. What did she and... tell you? <laughs> I can't tell you. All I know is that I feel very close to you. <laughs> did she tell you about the time she cut off a school bus and thought she was going to jail, so she hid from the cops? Something that you need to tell me. <laughs> Evidently, something about you like hiding from a school bus. <laughs> Does Jen listen to me when I talk? That's not. Me. <laughs> You're out of the picture now. Wait, are you talking about me or Danielle? <laughs> never mind. Just never mind. Never mind. Never mind. We'll talk tomorrow night. All right, we'll talk tomorrow night. Now, I have to phrase this. Can you put the, Jen? Love you dearly. Really, you're enormously. You 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 make up this podcast, but I need you to give Danielle the phone for a second. <laughs> okay, hold on. All right, take your time. This isn't being recorded or anything. <laughs> You're Hello. Hi, honey. How are you? Um, I'm capital. <laughs> well, that makes me we're so watching, happy. We're, we're watching Pride and Prejudice, so I'm oh. it's a capital. Oh, good! Evening. A chick flick weekend. I'm so excited. So, mm-hmm. Okay, now here's the story. Now. I, just for now, for those of you who who don't you know visit the Parfic Weekly forums, I think there's no hope for you if you haven't visited yet. But maybe you will. Um, Cupid has joined our forums the weekend, and Cupid is um, he, he looks like Gilderoy Lockhart, and he is going all over the forums, telling people to send him valentines, and he will anonymously deliver them to your loved ones on the forum. So I, of course, this morning I get up and I have my little you know smoking jacket on, and I'm you know isn't this romance? I'm, I'm all in, you know, Valentine's Day, you know, regalia. And I sit down at my computer and I type a very special Valentine to my little Valentine over here. And I, and I send it and I'm so excited. I've gotten Valentine's Day off to a wonderful start. Now, honey, you love Valentine's Day, right? Mm, well, that's not the word I would use. 
Danielle works in a bakery. She hates Valentine's Day to this year. (laughs) So tonight I get home and I'm like, honey, um, I think you need to check your private message, you know, box on the form. She's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. She's like, all right, I'll do that now. And you hear her logging in. She's like, oh, yeah. thank you. Now, now, what was your reaction, honey, when you read the um, the, 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 the the Valentine I had sent you? I think it was exactly what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what she said. And go on from there, honey. Just let's get it all out. All out. All out. <laughs> I was like, oh, so basically because I'm nice and I haven't insulted a Hufflepuff directly to their face, I deserve a Valentine ninja hug. And she's re- and she's telling me. And it, didn't, it didn't even say who it was from. She accused me of sending her a form letter. She says that's all I'm worth to you. Like I was very sad. And then, like, honey, I got up early. This- I may have been a little tired when I sent it, but it came from the heart. And she's like, that's not good enough, damn it. You know, it's nice to know you spent all this time. So finally, after th- trashing me, ripping me apart, saying Jen doesn't like me as much anymore, I'm, like, thinking I should cancel my weekend trip because this marriage is obviously over. It wasn't the message I sent her. She was reading the Hufflepuff greeting. That's what 90% of the forum got. Yes, she was reading the damn forum. Yes, so did I. And Danielle doesn't stop to think that I'm not, maybe I wouldn't ninja hug her on our, on Valentine's Day. So, so. Well, it was the only Valentine I had, so I didn't know. I'm like, oh, who else would send me one but my fiance? I don't know. So I contacted Cupid and told Cupid that because of Cupid, my marriage was over, at which point Cupid responded, and I quote, Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say that I know beh- who's behind Cupid, and uh-huh. that just makes it so much funnier. <laughs> <laughs> so we laughed and laughed and laughed. And after that, Danielle was so much nicer to me, or in Danielle's case, about as nice as you're going to get being Danielle. How you doing, honey? Love you. Ryan, it sounds to me like you really don't want to get laid this weekend. Like, the way that you're talking. I'm going to put you this way, Chief, dear. With Jen in the room, I probably won't. I don't know. She is a professional photographer. Oh, Chief. Chief, the second season is not going I don't think the second season's getting quite that dirty, Lady Chi, but thank you for trying. No, it, no. It, it is. A, it, I went a little bit far, but I've had a lot of Sprite today, so. Um. I'm sure you have, Lady Chi. I'm sure you have. Yeah, this is my favorite holiday. I wore black all day today. and uh, <laughs> I wore black, too. <laughs> P.S., you I wear know. black all the time. No, I was actually, it's actually a coincidence. I didn't decide to wear black. Because I wore black all day. Everyone in my office wore black today. I find that humorous. I don't know why. Well, you know, it's it's, it's a sad day, Singles Awareness Day, and it's kind of a... Uh... <laughs> or Danielle likes to call it the day I don't have to spend with Ryan Day. Something setting up a chocolate uh, fondue valentine fountain for the, for everyone to use in the middle of the building. I love That's fondue. Wonderful. And I'm seeing Mike this weekend. This is going to be wonderful. Mike, here's the deal. When, when, when Danielle and Jen, you know, congregate, we run like hell. <laughs> we can watch a fun movie while they watch Pride and Prejudice. 
This is yeah, true. Well, we're hoping to get through the next three hours of it this evening, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, are you watching? No, no, no. Are you watching the BBC version with Colin Firth and and um, Eliza? Yes. What's her name? Yes, we are. We're watching the BBC version. It's just hilarious. That's the best scene. And my my favorite part is when Colin Firth is in that long white shirt and he dives into the light. Mm. Mike, how you doing? Hey. <laughs> we just watched the part where Darcy was taking a bath. <laughs> and his butler comes in and pours hot water all over him. <laughs> I want to right be there. That, that is having money. That is having 5000 a year. <laughs> he gets 10000 a year, remember? Oh, 10000 a year. Okay. Not, right. not a partially 5000 a year. Like, um, what are we talking about? I don't know. Danielle, how are you? Oh, I'm just having a blast. Jen is so much fun, so nice. we're having a great time. Well, I think we. I think I'm we... sure that the filmmakers of the BBC version of Pride and Prejudice never intended it to be a comedy, but it really is. Oh. So, very <laughs> much enjoying it. So, Danielle. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, Happy Valentine's Day. I miss you. <laughs> I, miss, I, I, I miss you. Oh, I'm sorry. I miss you too. <laughs> I didn't hear you. All I heard was I you and I, I didn't know what you said. So um so what what's Jen doing? Jen is, and I are cuddling right now uh-huh. under my big fluffy red blanket. Hey, you wanna do me a favor? You wanna um, pass the phone over to Jen? Sure. Bye. Hold on. <laughs> Bye. Hello. Hi Jen, how are you? Hi, Ryan. I'm great. How are you? Not bad. So as we start our podcast tonight, as you're cuddling with my future bride. I just had to say that Daniel has, in one day, become my absolute favorite person in the world. Well, I'm coming tomorrow, <laughs> Jen, expression. and I like you better. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to... Oh, God, get here. Oh, my gosh. Oh, we have had so much fun eye-rolling at you. <sighs> I have heard some of the really sweet and romantic things you've done in the past. That can't be right. That can't be right. I know. I know that you have it in you to come up with something great for Valentine's Day, even if it's the next day. No pressure, right? No pressure. (laughs) I will say, however. Yes, yes. That a man can never go wrong with a well-written letter. Oh, for the love of God. And he makes less than five thousand <laughs> Apparently, there was a moment because I used to write letters to Danielle. Apparently, there was a moment today where she was explaining that to Jen, and she's like, ah, "I miss the letters." I haven't. I heard this story. Wasn't there one particular letter in the beginning that yes. did not go well, as planned? No, it did, it did not. Go I, heard, well. I think I heard that story too. Where did you hear that story? <laughs> I didn't you tell Everybody's it to me. Heard that story. Oh, for the love of God. Well, if everyone's heard the story, we're not going to tell the story. So I haven't heard the story. Oh, good God. I forgot Mike was here. All right. Why does uh, that not surprise me? Mike didn't Mike even Mike? know that. Rich yeah, Mike is serious. Here. Mike is my savior. I love you, Mike. Thank you for today. Well, I had fun. It made my day. What the hell did you people do today? Uh, Mike was my on-the-phone tour guide. 
Like walking all across, like make a left here, go two blocks. He made down. sure, yeah, he made sure. I would call him and be like, "Okay, here I am," and he'd go, "Okay, walk left." <laughs> Can I tell you, go, okay. Jen calls me this morning while I'm in my parking lot at work, oh, driving in I circles, really cold. trying to find, trying to find a parking space. And she calls me. She's like, "Can you guide me?" And I'm like, "Well, I need to get inside to my computer so I can I can map quest it. Um, can't you find a homeless person and ask them? They probably know everything about the city." <laughs> Yeah, but, but there was a barking, like he clucked at us or something. <laughs> you, you, the homeless man barked at you? Remember, he was like, did he bark or did he cluck? Yeah, you can't bark and cluck at the Remember same time. Remember we both we looked at each other and laughed? He was like, or barking. What was he doing? <laughs> ruff, ruff. Do you remember? Did you just roof riff at my girlfriend? Oh, it was last night. You should see Daniel do it. <laughs> I'm not making a comment on this at all. <laughs> my favorite part though was when I, I sent Jen to see uh, Columbus Circle and she calls me like okay I'm here what am I looking for <laughs> like you see that big glow oh, over no. there she's like, <laughs> she's like and she goes oh the glow <laughs> like this is what you dragged me here for <laughs> look the glow. No, I have to tell you I didn't know that that's what I was supposed to be looking at I like I looked you. at it and I was like oh that's cool and I moved on now, I have to tell you, now, of everyone here right now, Mike um, and, and P.S. and I all know New England weather. You wake up and it's Sunday and it's 83 degrees. You wake up Monday, it's 12. This is literally where they filmed the Bible. It is freaking cold up here, then it's hot, then it's raining, then you have thunder, snow, whatever the hell that is. This is New England weather, okay? Now, I tell Jen that on, like, a random Tuesday, it was 65 degrees in New York. The next day, I think there was a blizzard there. So the thing you know in New England is be prepared for anything. Now, the other day, I left my house, and it was 16 degrees with a wind chill that made it zero out. I didn't have gloves on, and my hands literally almost froze as I was scraping the ice off my car. It was Freezing outside. Poor, poor thing. It, oh, P.S. is like, I live here too, you freaking idiot. Okay. So I talked to Jen later that day, and Jen's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all packed and ready to go. I'm like, what did you pack exactly? She's like, I have all my tank tops. I have my shorts. I have my flip-flops. I'm like, Jen, it's 16 degrees here. She's like, you told me it was 65. I'm like, that was just one day. Because Jen is from a land where it's been 83 degrees since, like, the Hoover administration. It's always the same temperature. <laughs> so I'm like, Jen, you need to buy a long sleeve short shirt. She's like, they don't sell them. I'm like, what do you mean they don't Literally. sell them? <laughs> of course they sell them. Buy a short sleeve shirt, they, a long sleeve shirt. She's like, they don't sell them. So she ransacks her house, and she sends me a message saying, I found a sweatshirt with a giant pig on it. I'm like, well, you're going to have to wear the pig outfit to New York. And then she writes, it was a cow. Oh, that was a pig. It's a cow. Oh, it's a cow? Farmyard. It's totally I say cow. Like, it's our thing now. <laughs> That's our thing now? You say pig and I say cow? That's our thing? I don't think Ryan's ever seen a cow, so, I've you know. I've seen pictures, she. Oh. All right. So then she sends me another message saying, my mother bought me a 30-foot scarf. I don't know how to wear it. I'm going to use it as a rope and drag my luggage. I have to tell you what someone on the subway said today. Okay, you have to understand that I love this scarf because it's beautiful and it's colorful and it's bright. Okay, it's very me. And I'm sitting on, and I'm just so excited because this is the first day in my entire life that I've ever worn a scarf and, like, used it purposefully. Anyway, 
so I'm wearing this scarf, and this woman on the subway turns to me and says, oh, what did I say? She, she said, oh, yeah, it must be great to be such a proud lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Is your cuddling with my girlfriend a giant blank? No, it has nothing to do with cuddling with Danielle. <laughs> Seriously, I was, and I couldn't think of anything to say, so I said, thank you. <laughs> that was the right answer, though. Well done, I don't know. Jen, welcome so to New I England, and if you move over to Massachusetts, you and Danielle can actually get married. That's all I can tell All I can oh, say is I'm not too sympathetic to that cold. Because three days ago, mm-hmm. I made the mistake, and it was negative 20 with the wind chill. And mm-hmm. I went to buy shoelaces. It was a mistake. I, I saw me. snow on the ground. <laughs> That's Jen's comeback. I, 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 think it, I think it fell off someone's bumper. <laughs> <laughs> but it was there. All right, Jen. Very, Jen, before we get to the chapters for tonight, tell us okay. your experience in New York. Coming from the farm uh, to New York. Give us the story. <laughs> I am in New York. I'm so excited. Isn't this exciting? I've already talked to G today. And, and Mike. Mike has gotten <laughs> me through New York. <laughs> um, I directed you to the homeless people for directions. <laughs> I know. I've asked so many people. I see, what do you call, Ryan, those houses the subway trains are in? What? <laughs> you know, like on 72nd Street, there's the house, the subway's inside the house. No. Like where it lives at night? <laughs> what is it? What are they? Like Thomas the Tank Engine? What the like... hell are you people talking about? <laughs> Jen knows what I'm talking about. In Thomas, they were called roundhouses. How did... Jen, continue your story. Just talk over them. Wait, where is Mike going with that question? I don't know. Mike? Mike? <laughs> I forgot where it was going. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> Mike. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, I'd never been to New York before, obviously, mm-hmm. and the flight coming in, I came in, I flew in last night, and so everything was dark, and I saw, a, I saw lights, and so I went, oh, pretty, you know, <laughs> and, um, and then I saw some skyscrapers, and I thought, wow, New York is awesome looking, and I was, I was kept looking at my window, and then I really saw New York. <laughs> That was Queens, apparently. <laughs> and, like, I swear, if anyone had asked me, what do you think at that moment, the only thing that could come to my head was, it's so big. It's so big. I just and have to interrupt no, you for a second, Jen. That was the exact same thing that she was thinking last week when she was staring at Harry's measurements in Naked Quidditch match. <laughs> oh, you had to oh. go there. Oh, oh, oh. I I tell you what, Meg and I are planning a summit, a PFW summit in Kansas City, and just for that, I'm taking you <laughs> Hold on. Riding. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> You're planning a summit in Kansas City? <laughs> Who is on the search committee? Me and Meg. Oh, God. All right. Jen, I'm continue. The, I'm in the middle of the country. Everybody can get to me very easily. By and course. I no money. All right. Jen, Jen, just continue. Continue. Go. Okay. <laughs> well, I get off and um, so Ryan has told me previously that I need to just wave my arm up 
and yell for a taxi, and a taxi would because the taxi, yeah, no, because no, the no, taxi no, will come up. We have to explain this. Jen said, "I have my whistle ready when I get to New York." I'm like, "Your whistle?" <laughs> oh, I've been practicing. She's like, "Yeah." I'm like. What, what, what is the purpose of the whistle? If you're being mugged? She's like, no, for the taxi. I'm like, you're going to whistle for the taxi? Yes. They're not going to know what you're doing. You wave your arm and say taxi, and the taxi pulls over. But I didn't mean at the airport. No, if you're just walking down the street. Taxi line. Nobody told me about the taxi line. Oops. Okay. <laughs> so I get in the taxi yet. line. And, okay, the lady in front of me wants to use a credit card. So you know how the taxis line up in threes because for some reason they come in threes. And um, it's like magic. Anyway, um, so the first one goes, I don't take credit cards. So they, so the woman pushed me to his car because obviously I was paying cash, I guess. No one ever asked. Anyway. <laughs> So I got in the cab, and he pops the trunk open, and so I have to load my own bags into the (laughs) bag, and he just slams the door shut in the driver's side, and so I'm like, okay. So I get in the car. He's like, where are you going? And he was like, is that Brooklyn? I was like, Brooklyn. Yes. He's like, Brooklyn Heights. And I'm like, I don't know. And so um, I was like, I thought there was just a one. And so anyway, so we get in, and... um, he drives like a bat out of hell. I seriously thought. I'm not joking. I seriously thought. I, I hadn't put on my seatbelt. I thought it was like a bus. You don't wear a seatbelt. He started taking off. We almost crashed just pulling off the curb, like with the cab behind us. So, okay. So I put on my seatbelt and I'm like calling everybody going, oh my God, New York's so big because I'm still gawking. And he's like, this your first time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that obvious. Obviously. Anyway. <laughs> so about halfway, about halfway to, to Danielle's, we hit traffic, and he turns around and he goes, Well, I'm sorry that I was so mean back there, but you have to understand that it wasn't my turn to go to Brooklyn. I was supposed to go to downtown. And, like, so it's not your fault, it's that woman. <laughs> like it's not I'm sorry <laughs> so, so anyway I get we're, we get we're going 70 down Danielle Street Danielle's on this quiet I'm screaming this is a residential area and, he, and <laughs> so he stops and like it's a one way street and Danielle's house is on the right but we have to one way left so he's like, I'll just go around the block again. So like he goes around the block again to only wind up right where he was. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'll get out and walk. So like he charged me five extra dollars because he's an idiot. Well, anyway, like, so I'm counting and I, I don't see her number. I'm just like, where? So I'm like in the hundreds and Danielle comes back around and like this figure and she goes, what did you say? Is that you? And I'm like, yes. Like, and I don't see who she is. She always like yelling at me. <laughs> she was like, I saw someone with luggage. <laughs> and so she, she's like, well, come on. And I'm like, no, wait, give me a hug. <laughs> so we have a really sweet moment. And then we go up and I realize that we actually took the elevator which was nice and her building's great. And so we got in here and we tried to put a movie in, but we just started talking. So we stayed up till like two, which was really fun. Just gabbing and learning all of Ryan's little dirty secrets. Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> and- 
I know hers too, Jen. That's the key. I know hers too. Oh, really? Well, I will look forward to hearing them tomorrow. Okay. Anyway, so today we got up and um, we left and Danielle put me on the subway. And um, it was really crowded. Like, you can't even move. And I was like, and there was these two, like, really tall, heavy guys, like, around. And I was like, oh, I can't even see. Anyway. So we get on the two or the one, I don't know. Anyway, we get on one train. And Danielle's like, okay, well, here is where I got to work. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> Danielle's a wonderful planner. Um, yeah, good luck with that. And, uh... <laughs> yes, I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> well, I'm just giving her. Actually, she explained. She went into detail last night about where I was going and... So, anyway, I knew what was happening. Jen strapped in Harlem and can't find a way back. See if she apologizes to Danielle with me. It's like, go the hell. All right, here. (laughs) I can't imagine. Anyway, I'm trying to think what happened. I don't know. Well, anyway, I I end up on Broadway in 81st. Except no one told me. I expected to step off the subway and there would be the museum. No one told you. That wasn't the case. That's a key. That's code for Danielle. Let me down. I assume that because, like in DC, when it you got off on like the Smithsonian one, there was the Smithsonian. Like so. Anyway, so I get off and like I'm totally lost. So I end up walking like I don't know 18 blocks to try to figure out where this thing is. She's 400 feet away from it the whole time. (laughs) I know, like two blocks away. But no, I went down to like 76th Street and back. Like, it was just ridiculous. Anyway, so, but I had a really nice walk and I saw lots of stores and I bought cheap paste because I had forgotten it. And so, anyway, so, um, so I got to the museum and the museum is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's so big. I can't even explain. Like, you know how they say everything's bigger in Texas? That is not true everything is bigger in new york it's huge and it's just that every time you think wow this cannot get better there's more <laughs> and it, so anyway oh and i had a bagel this morning <laughs> yay <laughs> with locks and ryan well ryan was like well what did you put on it and i was like whippy stuff like <laughs> <laughs> i'm just shaking my head uh, i'm like no what did you have on it i'm curious ask danielle what you had Danielle, what did I have on my bagel? It was whipped cream cheese. They make whipped cream cheese there? Apparently. Yes. Well, no, she had it. I can buy it at the supermarket, Ryan. <laughs> Danielle cooked for me. Well, isn't that nice? I'll get you coffee and in the morning. She ma- oh, really? Well, she made me coffee. <laughs> I love how we're fighting over Jen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, wow, this is amazing coffee. And she's like, I grind my own beans. <laughs> is she Leslie Nielsen? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so anyway, um, that's too funny. It was really good. I really, that would, I want coffee. I wish it wasn't night. Okay, anyway. Um, oh, okay, so I'm alone at this huge natural museum. And did you know that they security check your bags when you go in? Yeah, they're afraid you yeah. might blow. I can tell you a funny everything. story about that sometime. But they, it's so stupid. They just sort of glance in your bag. Mike's cavity search coming like, up next. So I'm like, okay, what if I had something under my book? Mm-hmm, you don't know. But <laughs> Jen, it, don't tell them that. Whatever you do, do well, not <laughs> Well, I know, but, like, it's it's so unpurposeful. Like, they say security check, and then they don't look. So, anyway, that was a waste of time. You may remember Jen okay, from the 9-11 then, Commission. Carry on. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so I get in there and I'm totally like open mouthed and in awe and can't move. And I notice that there is um, all these British people around me, which is really cool. <laughs> and I, one of them bumped into me or something, or I was moving past, and I was like, "Pardon me," and they were like, "Wait, say that again." And I was like, "What?" And or I think I said, "What?" <laughs> and they were like where are you from? And I was like, Texas. And they're like, Oh my God, no way. Where's your horse? And I was like, I didn't bring it on the subway. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, and you're from England. And I was like, Harry Potter. And they were like, yeah, (laughs) like we became good friends. (laughs) So anyway, so I hung out with this, with these 10th graders all day, these British 10th graders. (laughs) And I had a ball. I had an absolute ball. And I went and saw the planetarium show, and it was amazing. It was so cool. And I got lots of pictures to put on the spot. Oh, anyway, so then I got bored. Well, not bored. I was exhausted. I was tired. And so I'd been there like six hours, seven hours, like walking around. And um, so finally I left, and that's when I started talking to Mike. And I was like, oh, hey, (laughs) Mike, okay, tell me where to go. (laughs) Poor Mike, <laughs> but he was so lovely. He's so lovely. I would like to point out how my, how nice Mike is. Jen doesn't have anything to do tomorrow morning, so Mike is flying in to hang out with her. <laughs> is on, that not wonderful? On an airplane with wings. <laughs> with wings, as opposed to an airplane without wings, which would work fabulously. Silence. Hopefully, I'll get a flight because I'm just showing up. So, yeah. you can do that. Well, what it is, I had tickets for the evening. P.S. What are you doing for the weekend? I never, like, I haven't been. I haven't. I haven't flown on a plane. Well, Mike, well, Mike is. is yeah. If you have tickets for like ten, I have tickets for like whatever four p.m. But if you show up early. You can just sort of hang out there, and if there's space on an earlier flight, they stick you on it. So Mike's taking a one-way trip to New York. Yeah, he's getting cavity searched. Your passport looks like a terrorist. <laughs> it does, so I can't wait to meet you tomorrow, Mike. <laughs> I was like I'm an Algerian terrorist. Oh, for the yeah. love of God! Perfect weekly. <laughs> and shaved that day, so I had like a like you know like a little three o'clock shadow thing going. I think my eyes were rolling. You had a head. three o'clock shadow. I thought it was a five o'clock shadow. Uh, whatever it is, it was such a <laughs> two day shadow. Three o'clock shadow. Such <laughs> a forty eight hour shadow. Oh, for the love of God! Oh my! Oh God! Yeah, I had Algerian terrorist. I went to I Paris. They thought face. I was Algerian. They wouldn't. They did like a big search room with the Paris. They thought it was like some. <laughs> Apparently, they're really sensitive about Algerians in Paris. <laughs> oh, God. Well, all right. I think we're getting ready to start the podcast. Oh, oh wait, what? wait. No. Oh, okay. I forgot to not... tell y'all. And then I got to go to Danielle's um, bakery. Mm-hmm. And I got to see the master in action. How was that? Oh, my gosh. It was really cool. Ryan, you need to go and see what she does. Well, like I've, I've seen real. her. It's like it is like construction work. Like she has got to lift these horrible things and like sweat away. Like you have no idea how much work it is to do her job. And like she has to like lean up seriously. Just watching her gave me a backache because she has to lean over the table and ice like with precision. And do you know how stiff you have to be to have precision like that? I, I, I think. Stiff. Yeah. Very stiff. 
sore muscles stiff. Do you see how she's on her side? Like, I know nothing about Danielle. And she's like, do you know that Danielle's a hard worker? <laughs> I am. Uh, really? I want my cupcake. <laughs> Jen, we're podcasting. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go. <laughs> All right, Jen. Well, Jen, I'll tell you what. I'll see you tomorrow night. Yes, because we're meeting, Ryan. We're meet- meeting in person. I'm going to walk up with my arms outstretched to give Jen a hug, and she's going to like give me a nice, firm handshake, the kind where you grip him on the shoulder. Two-handed <laughs> <laughs> handshake. Oh, God. It's going to be too funny. I'm going to like wake up so in the morning, excited. look over, and Jen will be staring at me. How's your day? And I guess we're going to be seeing Grand Central Station. Yes, that's where the train comes in. I, I really do want to see it. You know, though, I'm disappointed. Fancy eateries there, right, Ryan? Oh, oh, okay. oh shut up, Mike. Subway <laughs> does not look nearly as big underground as I thought that it would. What doesn't look nearly as big? I thought it was going to be, like, really tall. What? Subway. The subway. The subway. You thought the subway would be tall? Yeah, like, the se- I thought it would be, like, really underground, like, really tall. Wait till you get to Grand Central Station tomorrow. Like, was, in London. When I was a little kid, I was really scared of the subway. I remember when I was, like, five or six, I used to think the train would, like, leap out of the tracks onto the platform. <laughs> so when I would hear it coming, I would, like, press myself back against the back wall in case it leaped out at me. I still do that. <laughs> you it's still okay. do I went to swimming because I thought um, that I am deadly afraid of the train. Like I, tr- I, like, I stick my head out to see what train it is, and then I pull, like, pull back and step back over the yellow line. I don't know what to really say. <laughs> Like, that's I'm nice. Just over here, I'm just sitting over here. I've I've traveled all over the United States. I've been in like 40 plus states, and I have never ridden on a subway. Subway. Uh-huh. Like I've been to DC and San Francisco and like everywhere, but I've never been on a subway. Are you a cab um, person? My my dad had. I went um, with my dad and well, my family oh, okay. when I was younger, and we rented a van. And then the next time I went out, we um we went with the band, and that was a disaster. But there's a lot, there's another there's other stories there. But yeah, well, if we hadn't gone to D.C. and used the metro, I would never have been on the subway before. It's not something that the South has at all. Well, yeah, it's not something that the Midwest has either. Like here, it's like subway. It's a northern ride. thing. Like, don't you have a car? <laughs> Well, the Midwesterners can't have it because you have to dig underground, and there is Yellowstone Volcano under there. Oh, God. Did you have to bring (laughs) it back to Yellowstone? I did. They can't dig because it'll blow up. (laughs) I love that Yellowstone's volcano is the reason Kansas can't have a subway. Yes, exactly. If you listen to the Jen Londa You cannot build with molten lava. (laughs) The reason we don't have a subway system is because Manhattan is built on, like, Flint Rock, and it would not be... Like, it's hard enough. Yeah, Mike, Mike, Mike <laughs> is going to take me to all the no, cool places the tomorrow. Reason. Where are you taking her tomorrow, Mike? Um, I don't know. He There's doesn't time know. I <laughs> Somewhere really wait. cool, though. Mike, take her to uh, Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Actually, no, she doesn't want to go to Times Square without me, apparently. I oh, know, I, I want Square you there. So I mean, yay, Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, okay. we are going to start the podcast, so Jen, go cuddle with my woman. I am. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just. I'm experiencing all of that New York has to offer. Yes, Danielle in a blanket. <laughs> and we're having cupcakes. It's so romantic. And you had pizza, Jen. Tell them about the pizza. Everyone has cupcakes with me. Okay, wait. Y'all have to say bye to Danielle. Hold on. Oh. I have to, she's in the kitchen. I got her cooking barefoot. Okay, here we go.
<laughs> Very Bye, subtle. guys. Here's Daniel. Bye, Jen. Bye. Bye, Jen. Bye. bye. I'm hi. saying bye now, too. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Daniel. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. Do you still like me? A little bit. Sucker. All right. Talk to you later. A little bit. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. That is what bye. I have to put up with on a daily basis. Hey, Ryan. Yes. Ryan. Yes. Um, we need to talk after the podcast about the possibility of a PFW cruise. We're having a cruise now? I have a question. You were awfully quiet. Did you just plan a cruise during that? Well, Meg and I have been driving. I was thinking we should have a PFW cruise. Wouldn't that be yeah. fun? <laughs> Right, like, come on the that way, like, nobody has to go to anybody else's city. We could, like, think of it. Jen in the Caribbean. Like, how much fun would that be? <laughs> Let me, let's just see if I survive New York. Uh, <laughs> you really think a real cruise will be better than whale watching? I think it will. I, 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 get really, se- I got I really seasick do. whale watching. So, so did I. I. We can be seasick together. Oh, my God. This sounds like so much fun. Well, 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 P.S. Have we reached the level yet where I can see you in person without you wearing a mask? I have no idea. You have to get to that point if you want to come to the PFW cruise. <laughs> P.S. walks around with a bag over her head. Well, I was like, I was telling Meg, I was like, okay, now I, I'm, I've always been competitive because I'm the middle child and now, like, Jen has gone and seen everybody and I was like, well, gosh dang it, now I have to meet some of you people and gosh, I don't have darn it, money. people like me. And, oh. um, well, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not my therapist, so we're not talking about my self-esteem issues now. But um, I was like, I was like, we like we should meet somewhere, and so we got to talk about maybe coming to Kansas City because I have no money, and um, <laughs> and then Meg's like, we should do a PFW cruise. So I was like, yeah, so like if this right. is our, I was like, if this is our last season, then that would be a great way to end it. And like oh, as I'm shit. saying this. I'm like tearing up, and I was like, "I need to put the bottle down." This is the last season. Why well, would this be our last season? That's well, what she, when she no. said, it, "I was like, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't well, know if there'll be a third season, but but there might. Yeah. <laughs> there will be. I was like, a third. I was like, I was like, <laughs> well, you were the damn thing. Like, I wanted to if it's going to be our last season or not. So I was like. If this is it, then... I'm just trying to get your logic chain, though. You can't afford to go visit people elsewhere, but we're going to go on a cruise then? You're, well, coming you're to near Kansas. Chicago, right? We can uh, have, like, no. Ryan, Danielle, and Jen go to Chicago. Why are you um, sending me to Chicago? You know, where, you, know where, you know how far Chicago is from where I'm at? <laughs> we don't Should we do a Cubs game? Why don't yes. you just, like, hang out at PS's? Because I hear she has Snapple. <laughs> Actually, Snapple's gone. This is the box I keep my recycling in. Or I think Meg, I was like... I was like, oh, St. Louis I can get to. St. Louis is six hours away, but there's nothing to do in St. Louis. I was like, you guys should come to Kansas City. And Meg's like, I want to go up in the arch. And I was like, I've been up in the arch. I've been up in the arch twice. So have I. No, I want to do it again. It's it's fun. Because it, like, goes back and, like, you can feel it. I enjoyed it. Aren't you coming to Kansas, Mike? I'm coming to Kansas now. It's a fact. Now I have to come. Like your your stepdad's from Newton, right? It's like it's north of Wichita, so you would just have to get on um one thirty five and then go north until you get to seventy, and then go east until you get to Manhattan, and then go north on one seventy seven, and then go east on eighteen. Mike is writing this all down. Well, here's the thing: if Mike gets on the wrong plane tomorrow, maybe I can hang out with Jen and Danielle and and my and my other friend Karen, and maybe Mike can hang out with Chi, and maybe we can have a joint podcast. 
<laughs> that would yeah. be fun. There you go. All right, uh, you guys ready to talk about the fic? Because I'm ready to talk about the fic because I'm totally kicking cheese ass on the fic. All right, and jumping into the discussion portion, which is probably, or as I like to call it, the other third of Potter Fic Weekly, we are discussing (laughs) Harry Potter and the Nightmare of Futures Past by Viridian, as opposed to the other name I've been calling him on the forum because it's apparently the handle he used back in the 1980s. Uh, We will be discussing this fic for the next uh, five weeks. We're doing a five-part series on this fic we will be it's an au fic as you hopefully know because hopefully you've read the first 10 chapters because that's what we're talking about tonight and uh we'll be covering it in five episodes and then we're going to have uh viridian on the show to answer questions and comments and basically probably to yell at chi because that's what we're gonna really have viridian on the show viridian yeah it's a he but yes we're having him on the show that is so exciting are you really you 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 see like Forever since we've Actually, had it no, I read this fic a long time ago before I ever found Potter Fic Weekly, and I liked it. I yeah. I really I I. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to talk over May because no one can understand you anyway. Um, I really actually, he, I sent him an email and he actually wrote back bullet points, which I thought was excellent. So I thought that was really, he, he, he seems like a really nice guy. I believe his, I want to say his wife is his beta, if I'm not remembering that incorrectly. I think his wife does beta work for him and he said he'd even have his um his beta on with us, which Lady Cheese stole when Lady Cheese Fick is on the podcast. She's bringing her beta too. Uh, and my dog and my best friend. She's <laughs> going to find a way to bring a donkey on the show, I swear to God. <laughs> but uh, I actually have to tell you, I'm re- like, you know, a lot, like people obviously know hearing me talk on the podcast. The podcast is a lot of work and I go to school and I do lots of things. So, you know, reading time is is at a premium for me. So a lot of times when I read for the podcast, it can feel like work because I know I have to read these five chapters for Thursday to record the episode. And sometimes it's not like a fun kind of read. Sometimes it really is like work. And I have to tell you, this fic, I didn't feel that way at all. I'm actually really enjoying this fic. I'm really interested to see where it's going. I had uh, some concerns with like the first... Uh, four or five chapters, and I listened to actually, I, I listened and read the last uh, five, six through ten today uh, in prep for the podcast, and I really want to jump into eleven. It, it, it's it's really held my interest. I really think that Harriet Hogwarts is 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 my niche into the fandom. That that's those are the stories I do the best with, uh, and I'm I re- I'm looking forward to Harry Hermione. I'm looking forward to some of the other ships, but I'm re- I'm really latching on to the canon stuff. So this story just jumped out at me. Um, and just so everyone knows, um, on the podcast itself, there are some fix over the course of this season, being our second season, that the hosts are going to pick. Um, we're doing one of Lady Cheese fix. We're doing uh, Lavender Brown's uh, Book of Lord Morgan Le Fay uh, Final Reckoning series. We're doing The Paradigm of Uncertainty. We're doing a Snape Hermione fic. Uh, so, so the hosts are getting in there and putting their favorite fix on the schedule. But we also take uh, a lot of... Uh, direction from our members. So the members of our forum actually chose this fic to go on the schedule. So sometimes you'll have a fic that none of the hosts said that's the one I want to do, but it, it's put before us and this is one of those fics. So I think it's interesting to kind of be pushed into doing a type of story that maybe you wouldn't pick up, but I'm actually really, really enjoying this one. Um, so why don't we jump in? I know Meg has read this fic uh, before. Chi, uh, I'm not sure if this is your... P.S. This is your first time with this fic too, is that right? I read the whole thing before. Before it was chosen for the podcast, or you've read no, the whole I've, thing? No, I've read the whole thing now. Like after when a fic is chosen for a podcast, I always read the whole thing before. 
okay. episode start. So I've, yeah, I've PS has a, has a, has a spreadsheet. <laughs> this is so cool. She was telling me about this. She has a spreadsheet of, like fix that she needs to read and they have she has them tabbed by different things like fix that are covered by the podcast that she has to read and then fix recommended to her by friends and fix recommended to her by random people and then quickly fix and she hasn't like prioritized and I'm like I want to be you when I grow up seriously like that would he, you may remember P.S. She actually invented the flow chart. I'm not sure if everyone here is familiar with who did. we have. So we're glad to have P.S. is organized bordering on anal. Like <laughs> P.S. Come on, little hug. Movie. Come on, little hug. Little hug. <laughs> I just, I'm just amused by the fact that both P.S. and Lady Chi also updated the Perfect Weekly Library. <laughs> because Chi, I love you dearly. You're two different personalities. <laughs> Yeah, well, because Ryan would be like, he's like, he sent me this thing. It was like a 15-point checklist of things I was supposed to check before, like, during the process of updating. And I was like, oh, whatever. Like- she updates 10 stories in our library. None of the links work. The ones that do are linking to the wrong stories. There's, like, random HTML in the middle of the page. And she's like, stop you, bitch, and it's fine. So I'm like, okay, you're fired. <laughs> the job to be as it. He walked me through one time, and then I did the rest. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I, have, I have the, um, the like, the proper format in a Word document, and I just find and replace. There you go. Like if I'm if I'm updating like one of my own and then like if I were to like do one of Chi's, I would find the plaid slytherin and replace it with Lady Chi. And I'm making air quotes. Chi can also manufacture then- an entire car in an afternoon because she has an assembly line set. PS is just very organized and for that I am like, Thank you, God But with Lady Chi we have the snark and I'm feeling that we're gonna see the snark over the course of the next few weeks. I don't know why you don't think I'm snarky. Oh I, think- I have to say this. Yes. I- People keep telling me about Lady Chi being snark. I've never seen her say anything mean to anyone, ever. Did you listen to the scathed episode? Did you? You were in the she scathed was being episode. Really, I was, but she's being so friendly. I, I've never seen her actually I, be mean to someone. Mike, wasn't that your first episode? <laughs> I'd have been, yeah. Didn't I send you a letter of apology? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think... I told see, I thought, like, I'm not mean. I'm just... Oh, Lady, no, Lady Chi's not mean... Lady? I'm not a mean person. I don't want people to think I'm mean. I'm not I've mean. I've never seen a mean word to anyone ever. Oh, Lady Chi's not mean. There's a difference between snarky and, and mean. Uh, Rena is snarky. Chi is snarky. Meg can be snarky. Meg can also be a care bear. Jen hugs trees just because they're alive. Like, there's different yeah. personality types. But, um... What is get, snarky? Snarky oh, is, um... Number one, Lady Chi, and then number two should be the actual definition. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what it's, I would say. It's, it's just a certain attitude that people... I don't know. It's just kind of sarcastic, but... It, it's, it's like sar- it's like oh, smart I, sarcastic. It's not like annoying sarcastic. That's cool, I though. I will know it, though, because he's so nice. He just assumes the best out of everybody, so I don't think he'll recognize it. He'll be like, oh, she was giving that author... Constructive criticism. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. While, outside, while she's literally outside slashing their tire open, saying, You should not be allowed to drive. Stop saying, No, no, no. Right, well, I, I've, I, yeah. All right, why well, do Mike, why- I'll, I'll explain what's, what, as we go along, I'll say something and then I'll go, That was snarky. And then, like, okay. maybe you'll know, like, well, the what stuff, that like, is. Or while we joke about that, I think Aspen probably appreciated that. 
that you know you were like you know you're constructive. I mean, I think she appreciated it in the end. In the end. <laughs> <laughs> I, anyway, you know, uh, okay. Uh, what, what, nightmares of future past. Okay. <laughs> yes, nightmares of future past, which is going to be. I have to say, it's going to be. Um, a fic that I think is going to really get some good discussion going because it's one of those fics that kind of um, I, I mean I've I've read it before but I read it I I I read it and I was like oh this seems really familiar and then I read it I remembered that I had been reading it on some other site um, a few years ago when it first came out and um, uh, what was I saying I lost my train of thought well, let me just, uh, let, me just jump in say, let me just jump in and say this um, one thing about this fic, which I can tell, is that there's there's controversial parts to it. Number one, it's very well written. I think it's very well written. Um, number two, there, there there's certainly parts of it which are controversial, and I think you know Viridian knows they're controversial. I think that you know between you know the five of us here tonight, I think we're going to have you know five different opinions of portions of this fic. Uh, there there are different ways that you know. Th- the fic could have been written and sometimes you may say well why wasn't it done this way sometimes you know i think it was done perfectly um but the one thing when you look at the fic is that it touches upon ideas and concepts and 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 methods of storytelling that even elevate it beyond what the author invested into it there's certain types of stories which just as an idea are extremely emotional Irregardless of who writes it, who the characters are, what the plot is. And one of the things that really jumps out at me about this story is the ability for second chances to be able to turn the clock back and, and start over, just as a story type. And, you know, on, on one level, that's, you know, a tremendously liberating experience that you can, that you can erase all of your mistakes and you can erase all of the suffering and you can go back and you can fix things and have them come out the way that you want them. But on the other hand, you know, it's, it's, it's an incredibly dangerous thing because as, as we see in these chapters, you never know what the hell is going to happen. But the third thing is, is just the, the total impact of that. And by that, I mean, okay, you know, in, in the original storyline, you know, covered in the first ten chapters tonight. And just for the record, I've only read the first ten chapters, and I wish I had read more, but I've only read the first ten. You know, you have Harry defeat Voldemort, and Harry ends the war, but he's the only one to survive. And the, in, in you know, England is in ruins, and he's the only one. To, you know, to, society, there's obviously other people left, but society has, has crumbled, and he's you know the only one of, of his group left, the only member of the order, and the only person he knows who, who's left. And he wipes the slate clean. He wipes away the death of Ginny, the death of Ron and Hermione, the death of the Weasleys. You know, the fall of Hogwarts. He wipes away the death of Voldemort. He wipes away every. He 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 turns everything back, and he starts out. You know, on his on at, you know at the Hogwarts Express at King's Cross, but but stop and think about that for a moment. He also wipes away his entire relationship with Ginny. He wipes away the love that Ginny and Harry felt towards each other. He wipes away the entire relationship he has with Ron and Hermione. Uh, he the, the, tremendous amount of good in those years too. He wipes that away too, and it just it strikes me so much that even if you get a second chance. How do you know the important things aren't going to get completely screwed up? And how do you know that just because you remember what happened before that you can do it again? And how do you know that you'll have that spark? I think it's tremendously, you know, he even though Ginny died, she died being 
the woman that loved Harry. And it's just, that was one thing that just jumped out at me reading this. And, and, and I, I really felt it was that going back, he, he, he literally took away all the, all the good too. And, and I'm not, I give for the, you know, you know, all the credit in the world for, for writing a story like this in the Potter universe, but just that story as an idea always appeals to me first. I just think that really just grabs and shakes him. Everyone else took a nap right now, but well, <laughs> on your theme of sacrifices, I mean, he kills himself literally. Like, uh, I mean, what goes back, what ends up merging with the other Harry? It's not really fully him anymore. He sacrifices himself as well. Yeah, to get the chance to do it all over again. Sure, yeah. seems more like him. Well, <laughs> yeah. well this is why it's not pedophile either. Put, put it this way. Like, let's say there's that one day before he merges with uh, 10-year-old Harry, that Harry's living on his own, right? But if there had been, like, say, three weeks when they merged, the, that Harry's still going to have memory of those three weeks. Because it's not 30-year-old Harry taking over 12-year-old Harry's body and replacing him. He, it's 30-year-old Harry killing himself, and his memories and something of his spirit goes back in time, and it's absorbed by... Ten-year-old uh, Harry, but ten-year-old Harry's still ten-year-old Harry. He just has memories from this other person inside of his head. Really? Because still... he sure talks a lot like a thirty-year-old. Yeah, I, really, <laughs> I, I don't buy that explanation. I think I think it's pretty much pretty much it's pretty much old thirty-year-old Harry. Yeah. Well, let's frame well, this, yeah, like let's frame let's fact. frame this debate too, because this is one of the first things that jumps out at people is the identity of Harry, and you know. And let's just lay out the, what you know the the story says happened. The story says that, as Mike you know um, intimated, that you know you have thirty year old Harry and he goes back in time and he merges with his eleven year old self. I'm laughing because Mike made him both twelve and ten. He's really eleven, so he merges with his eleven year old self. And you know, apparently, you know, the younger Harry knows there'll be a sacrifice to be made there, but he'll be making it for his friends. And and thirty year old Harry obviously knows that he will be killed by doing this, and. The question is, what is created from that? Is he an 11-year-old in an 11-year-old's body? Is he a 30-year-old in an 11-year-old's body? Is he... I mean, what what does he become then, but both you know, just from an identity standpoint and just from a basic plot standpoint? He um, is an 11-year-old, but just with the experience and memory of a 30-year-old. It would be like... It, it would kind of be like... like let's say like you had a fic where 11-year-old Harry went into some sort of time warp where he doesn't age for 20 years and he comes back and no time has passed. He has 20 years of experience, but he's still 11 years old. Like, you wouldn't want this Harry hooking up... You would not want this Harry hooking up with Minerva McGonagall. That would be kind of creepy because he's still 11 years old. I don't know about that. Yeah, I I know. Well, here's the the thing. Okay, you're 30-year-old Harry and you go back in time and you inhabit... You know, you merge with yourself, whatever the hell merge means. You merge with yourself when you're 11. So now you're an 11 year old with the memories of a 30 year old. You know, what? I guess number one, what would be the difference? Like, what is the difference between you know having you know being the 30 year old and being someone with all the memories? All yeah, because I think I think I mean maybe I think memories is really all you are. Because I have read I read a similar story. And the, 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 the way that Harry goes back is not the same. It's more like he w- he lived like 20 or so years of like an alternate universe. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it's a snarry fic, and when he gets back, it's like he's an adult. It's really, it's hard, it's really hard to explain because it's really complicated. But basically, it's the same thing. But it winds up not being creepy because he is an adult, because he's lived an adult life. Yeah, I mean, he, well, here's the thing. I mean, from a storytelling standpoint, well, one of the things I thought would have been very intriguing in this story is if you had an 11-year-old Harry who has glimpses from the future. He knows that Ginny is important. He knows that Ron and Hermione may die. He knows that Hogwarts will be assaulted. Like, like I would have found it intriguing from a storytelling standpoint if, if this were focused around an 11-year-old Harry who either was told or could foresee changes in the future. Uh, from, a, from a storytelling standpoint, I felt that, that you know the first chapter is somewhat dragged because it was... You know, essentially, Harry. No, it's it's like when you're playing a video game, but you know all the codes, so not, there's no risk of dying, and the bad guys aren't scary because you know everything they're going to do, so you can just walk around them and, and you know beat them very simply. Um, I felt like it was literally like going down a checklist. Like you know, he goes to Gringotts and he manages to take over Vernon's firm, and you know, just going down the checklist, it felt too um, much. Like I said, like a checklist. Uh, like no conflict. Yeah, I mean, in the early... I said to Chi today, I said that it felt like the author read the books and said to himself, Harry should be doing that. I'm going to write a fic about this, and then he should just do that. Yeah, like the early... I agree. Like the, the, like. That, the, I'm going to say this. The early chapters, I felt like that. I didn't feel like that towards the end. And yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. Yeah, like but the, it's like, I think it's... He, I think I like this fic because I think he figured out partway through how to get better yeah basically i mean not that it's bad in the beginning i mean like because that's what you do when you're an author and you write a work in progress and you publish as you write <laughs> i'm doing it now i think it's wonderful and i think it happens to everybody unless you start out perfect which nobody does from a plot point of view too in the sense that he first goes back and he does know everything he knows you know he knows when he's flying to cast an anti-jinx spell because he knows his broom is going to be jinxed by uh, Quirrell, or whatever his name is. Cool. Uh, but then as time passes, you have kind of like, you know, butterfly effect, and things start to change, and it becomes less predictable. I never thought about it that way, but he that's learns by, by getting rid of the conflicts that he originally had. He's just creating more. Right. Exactly. I mean, and that's his real Achilles heel by the end of Chapter 10. His Achilles heel is he's trying not to deviate too much from what he knows, because if he breaks away from what he knows, number one, it's unpredictable, and number two, his entire quote-unquote mission will be lost, because he's come back in time to save, to beat Voldemort again, but to save the Wizarding World while he does it, and more importantly, to save his friends and family. But he doesn't recognize the fact that he has made changes, and the changes he's made make his memories you know, disconnected from the current reality. And he learns that literally as he's nearly killed by Vernon, which I thought was, that was the scene I was listening to right before uh, the podcast. And I, I really wanted to continue onward and see what happens right after that. But I mean, that, I th- and I will say this towards the end of chapter 10, I'm very interested in the story because like PS said, I think it really makes up for a lot of the shortfalls I felt in like the mid chapters, the arrival of Hogwarts chapters, because now we're getting into um, an environment where Harry doesn't know what's going to happen, and Harry's made a terrible mistake. And what will the impact of that mistake be? Now, one thing that I love about the story 
in and of itself, you know, more so than what I said before, was that, you know, we're here to read fan fiction. We're here to read different possibilities. We're here to read alternate possibilities. And instead of alternate year sevens, instead of alternate, you know, you know, post Hogwarts days, this is essentially a storytelling device to give us an alternate Hogwarts. And instead of just starting the story over and writing it differently, this is a Hogwarts where literally you have Harry knowing how things happened, trying to change them and, and create a, a, a separate outcome. And from a storytelling standpoint, I think it's great. I've never read a story that goes back and does first year over again. I'm sure there's many. This is my first one. So I thought it was interesting because usually I'm, I, I wouldn't have expected to be as big of a fan of, of, of you know, like first year again. But I, I think it's fascinating. But the one thing I just want to say is this. I mean, let's start from the beginning. You know, we start off at, you know, essentially what is a ruined Hogwarts. And you have um, Harry in, you know, in Dumbledore's old office, which was essentially kept intact by Voldemort, almost like to humiliate Dumbledore and hold it over him that Voldemort won and Dumbledore lost. And you have a Harry who has been, how many years has it been? 13 years since you know he's since the school fell and he literally finished the job almost on his own he had some of the order he had harry and i'm sorry he had ron and hermione up to the end he, he had tonks up until the end almost but he's been he's been fighting for 13 years 14 was it 14 i thought it was 13 14 whatever yeah, um he's 30 and he was 17 well, well but yeah it's, it's during his year seven like uh right after his year six he starts okay yeah so yeah so for 13 14 years and when you look at the Harry that's left, like literally when you go back and you look at um, Harry decide to go back and change the timeline, it could kill him. And he doesn't care. I mean, this is a Harry who's literally suicidal. And it doesn't get into very much the aspect of the fact that this is a Harry who now just wants to kill himself to end it. But he he's willing to kill himself by taking a chance that he may be able to bring his friends back from life. So it's a sacrifice. <laughs> Let's let's think about this for a minute, though. I, I really I want to I want to interject here, Ryan, and and talk more about the specific point because I think that it's something that y- that you see one way, but I totally see a different way. I okay. think that you know his state of mind in the end of at the end of his life kind of carries over into the beginning of his restructuring his life. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> in that, it just kind of seems like when you're reading it, especially the first time through, it just strikes you as. Harry has become ruthless and at the end of his life he was very you know one track gonna kill Voldemort and then that's gonna be the end of my life and I'm gonna join Jenny and you know in paradise or whatever you know the end of my life maybe and then he goes back and that kind of carries over which is why I think that you know he's more 30 year old Harry than 11 year old Harry because his attitude is very pointed he's he's very he does not see the wider picture He's very focused on just this one aspect of things, and I think that he comes across as manipulative and cold, and you're reading this and you're thinking to yourself, is Harry feeling anything for Ron and Hermione? Because all he's doing is thinking of how he can manipulate them to be together, and he's manipulating this 10-year-old girl, and I I was literally having thoughts in my head like, oh my god, 30-year-old Harry is just as bad as Tom Riddle. That's an yeah. interesting take because I didn't um, – and Mick, I'd like to hear what, what you thought too. I didn't take it in that way. I took it that – and I was trying to interject myself into the situation. Say like I've been with Danielle for five years 
and, and obviously it's not it, it's a much huger jump and there's much you know in in, in the situation is very different but say for example i were able to go back in time tomorrow and i were able to go back on the day that danielle and i began when we met before we started dating before she knew who i was and i was able to live those years again and maybe you know there were there were some awful things that happened that I was then able to prevent to try and get back to today. Number one, there were so many reasons that Danielle and I got together that I can't remember. I may have said something one day that I don't remember saying that she thought was funny, and that was what caused her to pay attention to me, and that's what started the whole ball rolling. To go back in time and try and do that again, it can't be as spontaneous as it was the first time because like, I did 20 things every day to bring me to where I am today. And it's impossible to replicate that. But that said, going back into – we met in a class at, when we were getting our undergrad. So say I go back in time and I go into that classroom and she's at one end of the room and I'm at the other. I'm still in love with this girl. She doesn't know who the hell I am. So there's that difference there. Now, my goal is to cause her to want to be with me again so that we can get – so she can feel for me you know, in five years what, I, what she feels for me today, which as you remember from the, you know, from the beginning of this episode, she really likes me. Now, how do you get back there? Would I be manipulating her? Would I be you – know, if I, if I try to make her laugh at me, if I try like, – like how do you do that? How do you recreate that spontaneity? You don't. You yeah. you try and say the things you said before that you knew made her laugh because it worked the last time and you knew that maybe you said this one thing that reminded her of her father and she thought it was hilarious and that was what got the so you say the same thing again but maybe you said something and it offended her the last time that you try not to say or maybe you know if she went to a particular party something bad would happen so you make sure she doesn't go that time I mean you're not doing it. Because out of some cold, spiteful desire to force her to love you, but you're doing it because you know if you don't, that will never have happened. So well, that's well, like think, a very think, slippery slope, though, because I mean, what if you avoid saying something that insulted her to begin with, but that resulted in an argument, and then you got over the argument, and you realize as a couple that you could get past arguments together, and so now oh, that, you can stay together as a yeah. couple. I mean, it's like such I a mean, slippery slope. Oh, it's been no crazy. Because I think the thing here, and this isn't really, this is not a spoiler for the Chamber of Secrets portion of the story. I'm just saying what Harry is thinking is that he's going to try to not. I mean, he will want to try to not let that happen to Ginny, because that was obviously very traumatic for her. But the thing is, that also, like, made her stronger as a person, right. and that's, like, what gave her the um, initiative to to fight against Voldemort the first time and be in the DA and all the things that she did during the war. Right. I mean, that I mean, it, it was probably mostly the Chamber of Secrets incident that made her want to do that. Yeah, well, and I so I think that's of- one of the things, like, you, there's stuff that may be bad and while Harry doesn't want it to happen to her it has to or else he could screw it up worse oh, I, right. and I think that's part I of think... my problem with him trying to manipulate Ron and Hermione and even more specifically ne- Neville yeah, because I, if you... I did not like the Neville interaction at I all to... neither did I I think both Ryan and she are both correct because I think Ryan has his motivations down and I think Lady, Lady Chi's right. I mean, he, that's what he's doing. Is he's trying to manipulate them. And, you know, he's doing it for good reasons, in, or what he thinks are good reasons. The road to hell is paved with good yeah. intentions. Yeah. You I can have the best you see, intentions in your world, but it doesn't matter if what you're doing is inherent, inherently wrong. And in my mind, trying to 
I mean, I mean, it's just the whole idea is, is so fascinating, and I think the author kind of does a disservice to us in the first ten chapters. In that, I mean, obviously he learns more and more as the story goes on. By chapter ten, you're hooked, but you know, the first the first couple chapters are just very clunky in 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 spots, and you know, sometimes hard to. As a as a beta reader, I just want to go take this paragraph and make it six, or you know strike this paragraph because you don't need it because I think that sometimes he emphasizes the wrong things, you know, in, yeah, in, in Harry's interaction because he, he does not set up Harry as a protagonist that I feel very strongly about because he's too, yeah. he doesn't seem motivated by emotion. He seems motivated by, like Ryan said, a checklist. And, and you know, nobody cares well, about think, somebody with a checklist. Well, I think oh, the difference is that at the start, I think his goals change throughout the story. Like, I think at the start of the story, the, prob- the problem he has is that he's not trying to build a relationship with the people around him. What he's trying to do is recreate something he lost. His goal isn't let me become friends with Ron and Hermione. It's let me recreate the Ron and Hermione I, I knew in this other universe. And it's right, not until he starts annoying. to... He starts because to deal I'm with them as real people. Right. You know? Well, I think that's part of the problem, too, is like, and did anybody else find um, th- that Harry, everybody's dialogue in this story is so far beyond believable that it sometimes <laughs> just, like, dropped you out of the story? Like, I agree. What Gee, I'm, are, were we separated at birth? Oh, I think so. I've agreed with every single uh, word you've said for the past hour. Oh, <laughs> it's like... Yes, I'm reading it and I'm going, what 11 year old says that? Like, seriously. I, mean, I, I think I said like, this like, try a little harder. <laughs> I think I said this to somebody, like, as I was reading, because when I read, I tend to, like, make, like, a running commentary. I definitely said Harry in this fic is the worst actor ever. Because he is so <laughs> terrible at pretending to be an 11 year old. He'll, like, he, like, the, every word out of his, other word out of his That's mouth, not the six syllables. Thing, though. The irritating thing is the adults around him that aren't saying. How are you coming up with this? Yeah, that's an, and then they have like bits in like Dumbledore's perspective, and he's like, hmm, nothing wrong here. <laughs> like, with the car above like, that's I mean, a little strange, but I'm gonna ignore it. I mean, for Harry, now. I, I gotta jump in here before the. I it for 11 years, he can't like know these words. He probably can barely read. Well, you, I think you just assume he's some sort of. I mean, like, what's the. What are the teachers supposed prodigy? to like, come up top of their head that. Wait, oh yeah, he doesn't sound like an 11-year-old, so he yeah, must be a 30-year-old who blasted himself back. Like, he's, like, pulling the, like, answers to potions questions out of, like, Snape's head. I think with, like, he feels that way, though, because when you read about Harry in the books, everybody expects him to be this amazing child prodigy Harry Potter who killed Voldemort as a baby. And he's not. <laughs> he's this flawed makes a lot of mistakes, can't handle girls that cry, he's not really that good at school, Harry. And then we yeah, have this Harry, who knows everything before it happens and sounds like he's 30. Well, let me yeah, just jump, I, want, I just want to jump in here and say, I want to say one thing here, because I'm, because, number one, just to, you know, because everyone's like, pile on! But I actually agree with a lot of what you're saying. But I want to say one thing, because this is the experience I had reading through these chapters. Um, the, way, the, the way it worked is I had a lot of free time a couple of weeks ago, so I started these chapters, and I, ha- and I had to stop, I hit a, I hit a wall, and I, re- I resumed reading about two weeks later. And the the point in which I stopped was actually very interesting because I had I had one impression of the first I believe it was like the first three chapters, 
No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was but maybe the first three, four chapters. I listened to it, so I don't know what the chapter breaks are. It's like the first three or four chapters. And I'm like, okay, I have one impression of the story, and I share that with, with some of the other hosts here, and they seem to agree with me with it. And then I picked the story up again today, and it really felt like I was reading a completely different story. And I don't know if that was just uh, really moving into, you know, getting into his groove a little bit more or if it was some of the issues I had with the story became plot elements of the story. I mean, it's one thing to read the story and to say, okay, this is a whole, you know, I don't like this Harry because he's doing X, Y, and Z. But it's quite another to then have Harry in the story saying, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Should I be doing that? And then it becomes part of the story. So you're like, okay, at least the author gets that this is happening too and it's it's part of the plot. I'm okay with that then. So... You know, early chapters of the story, you know, you have Harry from the future who, who you know, he, he defeats Voldemort. Everybody's dead. And his response is, I'm going to prevent this from happening. I'm going to sacrifice myself. And if I die, I die. But, you know, I may be able to prevent this from happening and save my friends. Now, I'm going to bet that Viridian's a Star Trek fan because this is like a classic Star Trek episode. <laughs> and I would say no, that it he is. probably is. I'm thinking of Brian as I'm reading the prologue. <laughs> Yeah. If you uh, if you look at his pen name though, I was I seriously it's a Vulcan that, name. His, 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 yeah, it's a Vulcan. It's I a was Vulcan looking name. at it and I was like I looked at it sideways and I was like, yeah, that's that's. And a I think it was a I reference to the space time continuum. No, there really wasn't, but it, it does. It reads like a Star Trek episode, and that's the the problem with Star Trek. There's for those of you not fans, there's been 700 hours of Star Trek and like 12. Basically, movies. everyone but me and you. Yeah, every, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's been so much Star Trek done that you know in one episode. Um, you know, Spock will die. So they'll go back in time and save Spock so that the accident, you know, where Spock was killed never happened. This was actually never an episode. I should have used actually an example <laughs> from one of those 800 hours by dead. So they'll go back in time and they'll prevent the accident so Spock never died. Then, you know, the, the Enterprise sails off at the end of the episode. And my question is, okay, so why doesn't everyone go back in time when anyone dies to prevent it? Like, wh- we only say people who were in the opening credits? And <laughs> that's the that, that's the... Once you open Pandora's box from a plot perspective, when do you close it? You know, why not Harry goes back in time to prevent Sirius from falling through the veil? Well, not – I mean, like, like, let me give you an example. I watched um, – who here has seen Star Trek Generations, the movie? No. Anyone? No, anyone. Sorry. Okay. sorry. Right. I failed you. You're only, only fellow Star Trek fan. Okay. All right. Um, Star Trek Generations. Here's the plot line. Who knows who Captain Picard is? Show of hands. Okay. I don't. Uh, well, we we know Mike. All right. So we have you have Captain Picard on the planet with the evil mad scientist. Okay, and the evil mad scientist is about to kill a lot of people, and Captain Picard needs to stop him. So Captain Picard goes up to beat up the evil mad scientist and gets his butt kicked, and evil mad scientist kills a bunch of people. So Captain Picard goes back in time, essentially, and he, he, because of a plot device, Captain Picard can go back in time to try again. I have seen this, I think. Yeah, to say, okay, now here's the thing. In the plot line of the story, you know, six weeks before he's on the planet with the mad scientist, pa- Captain Picard's brother and nephew were killed in a, in a fire. They had a farm and the, the barn caught on fire and they, were bo- they both burned alive in, in the barn. Now, weeks pass and now he's on the planet with the mad scientist. Now, he needs to go back in time and stop the mad scientist. So does he go back in time six weeks and stop his brother from being burned in the fire and save his nephew and then call ahead to the security people and tell them to find the mad scientist when he's at a urinal somewhere and grab him? No, he goes back in time to when the mad scientist is 30 seconds away from killing all the people and tries to stop him again. It's a stupid plot point. So my question reading this is... This is like 
the plot of the Pirates of the Caribbean three. Yeah. Like you could punch holes in it with a. Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, my, I, I guess the question I had was: Was there a re- like? Was there a reason within the storyline why Harry didn't go back in time and prevent James and Lily from being killed? Was there a reason? Well, obviously he wasn't born yet. But yeah, well, I mean, was, only- was there a reason he went back all the way to first year? I mean, could he? Like, that was the like. Why didn't he go back to maybe? Um, you know, the beginning of second year and stop Ginny in the Chamber of Secrets because there was nothing that happened in the first year that was really um, a terrible loss. Why, I think you said you hit why though, Ryan. Why James and Lily are killed? He's a baby. He's not. He couldn't even cast a spell. He wouldn't have a wand or anything. But he goes back to the first year exactly because he doesn't want to appear thirty seconds before you know the bad guy chops the axe down. The added That's bonus now is people believe early. Yeah, but yeah, I guess here's my thing. Uh, but let me go back to my Danielle example again. If I go back in time to the day I met Danielle, and if I don't remember correctly what I said to get her to notice me, I screw up the whole thing. If I go back in time to when we've been dating for three years and start there, there's a less likelihood I'm going to screw the damn thing up. And I understand why he did it. He wanted to bring Neville into the fold earlier. He wanted to make changes right from the beginning. But I never really understood reading this. Start- Doing Ginny from a young age. Oh, good. Yeah. All right, we're getting you know, we're getting Meg into this here because I'm sticking up for the story here, and I'm not doing this for the podcast. God knows, I, I don't care what people say here, but I think I'm going to kick Meg's ass in a debate. But let me just get back to what I was saying before. So, in the first few chapters, you have Harry goes back. Okay, we're at King's Cross. Ah, look, we're at King's Cross, and it did read like a checklist. It re- n- number one, if I went back in time to when I was eleven. <laughs> Try to get Ron to wash his face so her her mind falls in love with him sooner. <laughs> if I went back, I if, I, if I subtly alter her mind's personality, Ron will notice her more, and everything will be fixed. It'll be tip three, tiptoe through this. I would just like to remind Viridian that we are covering Lady She's Fic in three weeks, and you are welcome on the podcast. When he tells the Hermione the book thing about. You shouldn't believe everything that you read in books. The reason that bothered me is that hopefully the scene Harry planted today would help her to recognize that blind spot before it became before it came back to bite her too many times. I just felt like it was so sad to me that Hermione couldn't just figure things out on her own. Yeah. In a natural way like mm-hmm. normal people like, do. No, I think that's just she doesn't her. trust. Right. I think yeah. exactly like, you know what? I just I really hate that it took Hermione so long to figure this out. I'm just going to, like, skip ahead and do this. But let me ask you. No, that's a good point. That's a great point, though. I think that's a failure of Harry within the plot. I don't take it as a... Right. I mean, I... No, I don't see see it as a fault of the authors because I think things like that come back to bite Harry more than anything else. Yeah. But within the plot, it makes me like, ugh, again, with Harry. Like, he keeps doing these things where I'm like, ugh. But that not that the slippery slope? <laughs> but that's the slippery slope, though. If you go back in time and you meet your husband or your boyfriend or whoever on the first day that you met them and you remember you said that really stupid thing, how easy is it to say, I'm just not going to say that stupid thing? But how do you know that not saying that stupid thing isn't going to be what caused the relationship to form in the first place. And you really see that in these chapters with Molly Weasley. He didn't meet her at King's Cross. All she knows is he's the kid writing her 10-year-old daughter letters. She doesn't know who he is. How does Meg, be nice, how do you know that going through these chapters... How do you know that... I'd be like, what's going on here? Exactly. Why is this guy writing you letters and he sounds like he's 30? <laughs> He has remarkably good grammar for an 11 year old. So did you, Chi. You grew up in the womb. You were. Yeah, right past. Actually, but, I've, I've been writing and publishing since I was 13, and I wrote my first novel at 11. 
Just saying. Really? So, what? What? Yeah. You sounded like you were 30, Jane. I'm sorry. No, I, just I, sounded like low. I, I just sounded like Lola. The four members I, who I, know um, this about Chief. <laughs> no, I wrote a. Um, no, I wrote a uh, Star Wars fan <gasps> fan novel when I was eleven. You have to share it with Ryan. I don't like Star Wars. <laughs> he doesn't like Star Wars. I, Luke and Mara um, Skywalker are my favorite characters, and Mara doesn't even exist in the movie. Mara? She's in the fandom. Yeah, but I'm she so in the fandom. The yeah, in the fandom, Luke marries this character named Mara, and that's my favorite pairing. Yeah, in the novel, she used to work for the Emperor, right? Yeah, she used to work for the Emperor. She was an assassin, and I wrote a um, story about them traveling to the outer realm to do something or another. I can't remember. I have like I have a paper copy of it somewhere, but it got lost. Um, but anyway, yeah, I wrote my first novel at eleven. But Harry is not Chi. Harry is Harry. And oh, I'm thank not God sure we Harry realized has. that in the first episode of this series. If we thought Harry was Chi, this would have been a whole new set of words. <laughs> Can I share the two criticisms I, I had? No, you're the defender. Yes, you can share whatever you want, Cad. All right. Watch, I have one minor thing and one bigger thing. The minor thing is just, did anyone else feel like the first thing he should have done is just go and hunt down as many horcruxes as possible? Like he's that should 11. be the first. <laughs> well, he, he still uses, he knows the spells he already know. You know, he already knows all of his spells. Yeah. He knows how to act. He should have just like, bam, bam, bam. Let me take out five horcruxes right away. Day one. <laughs> That, so, yeah, like, but why that, go through all of it, just take care of it now. We can do it because he has the trace on him. But my bigger oh, problem, right. this is my only real, like, all you guys, I agree with what you're saying about him manipulating, but I tend to view that as more as a plot of the story rather than, like, a believable thing, like, an understandable well, reaction on his part. I can't view I, it as, I can't but, view it as manipulation. I mean, here's the thing. Is it manipulation? Yes. But when you look at manipulation, there's many connotations to it. There's Dumbledore manipulating Harry through seven years of canon. There is, you know, people manipulating other people to get what they want, which is not in the best interest of the person being manipulated. I mean, this is a tough thing because to go back and reform friendships, like think about this. Harry has the memories of a 30-year-old. You know, what? We can debate whether or not, like Pia said, he has the memories of a 30-year-old or whether he's morphed. I am going to choose to believe he is the totality of the person who lived 30 years, who is in the body of an 11-year-old. And the soul. Yeah. Well, the the soul, that's a whole new can of worms, a whole new podcast. But he knows everything that 30-year-old Harry did. He's living the life of an 11-year-old. And what I'm sensing from the plot, and I have no reason to know whether or not this is something I'm reading into it or not, when he fought the mountain troll, the mountain tr- he couldn't fight the mountain troll sufficiently to his expectations. The troll um, was too powerful for him. And what I saw there was he's fighting as an 11-year-old. And even though oh, he yeah. knows the words, and even though he knows the spells, and he re- he's been to Hogwarts for six years at that point in memory, he's an 11-year-old. If he walks up and tried to pick a fight with Lucius Malfoy, he'd get his ass handed to him because he's 11. He's like four feet tall. And even though I he's... Think, I, I think that's an interesting difference between canon and this story. Because I think in canon, you that would not have mattered. I think if you mm-hmm. had the knowledge, you would be able to perform the magic. Whereas in this story, it's more about like some sort of magical store that you have inside of you, which yeah. I don't think it's really that way in canon. Like uh, It even refers to magical exhaustion in the prologue, I think. 
A lot of fixes yeah. do right? that. Is that, there, is that have a canon I basis? Think, I've read a lot of fix to say you're No, I don't think so. A lot of weird magic that doesn't seem canon. Like, it doesn't seem like... Like, there's one thing to invent magic and have it seem like it fits in this universe, but then there's one... But then I think it's another thing to invent magic and have it and but that doesn't seem like it belongs in this universe like i have read a lot of fix where people try to bring in like elves into the story but the elves mm-hmm. are like elves from the lord of the rings <laughs> i've seen that too and Why? it's really bizarre and i can't read it because it just every time i see an elf in a fic that's it i'm done I had the other like, <laughs> you're pushing will like, ferrell walking around i mean yeah because it's like i mean if you have like elves in harry potter are dobby and elves that P.S. imagines when she hears the word elf, because she's never read Lord of the Rings, are Santa Claus's little helpers. Yeah. I just read this fic where Lily was the descendant of a elven princess. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've read hey, that You know one. what? You gotta give people credit for their creativity, though. I mean, yeah. But I mean, like... You I have your mother's have... eyes, but her ears were floppy. <laughs> I, um... I think another thing about this this fic that kind of uh, rubbed me wrong a little bit at the beginning, and actually P.S. and I had this conversation last night. I'm sure she's going to be nodding her head when I say this. Is parts of the story seem a little bit self-indulgent to me. Like, instead of doing something that may be, would have been a little bit more artistically interesting, he kind of went the route of, oh, well, this makes me feel good, so this is how I'm going to set up the plot. Like yes. the magical, the magical exhaustion thing. Um, well, I don't think there's a part exhaustion. Like is... When I read the story, I wanted it to sound like this, so that's how I wrote this fic. Right. That's yeah, instead coming. of doing not that, just uh, not just fixing what Harry does, but also like fixing the world, like to yeah, right. like that. Right, like, exactly. Like canon was nice, oh, like but the, like it would be training. so much better if it worked this way. Yeah, like training. Like the training. Like training. Remember, yeah, remember Pottercast when. John Noy would always say that he wanted Harry to have like training, like in book six yeah. and book seven, he wanted to have all this like martial arts training, and, you know. Yeah. And I would always be like, uh, "No, thank you." That, that is such that is such Harry a male thing. Like, I always wanted Harry to go into battle with Voldemort with like no training <laughs> and just <laughs> come too. through. That's what I always I wanted. Like, it mostly happened that way. But well, you know, you get this from men a lot. They yeah. want this, like, Kung I th- Fu Harry to go into battle. <laughs> and I'm just like, no. For one thing, it was a female author. <laughs> and secondly, <laughs> it just is not Harry. It would not be right if Harry was, like, kicking Voldemort. I just don't understand where that line of reasoning comes from. But. I think, I mean, no, I gotta, I want to say this one thing, because I want to see if people agree with me. And and I find this not so much true with better stories. And this is kind of an interesting conversation to have here because this is the first fic we've done that was written by a man. I think it's um I think really? you can tell. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a man. Yeah. Interesting. I know it, I know this is a man, but this is our first one, right? And I have another point about that, about it being a man. Yeah, I think and p- people are gonna like try to make me guess now is this author a man or a woman but i think i can usually tell mm-hmm. based on um like <laughs> be, even, bring your fix here i'll tell if it's a man or a woman it, it's it's every i think um there men and women just write differently not just sentence like structure and word choice but also like stuff that plot choices they have and i think i've noticed like in it's been in a general trend towards fandom that like 
when men want to alter the the wizarding world of the canon universe in such a thing, I think they're bringing in things from other things. Like, I don't know. I mean, I haven't read a lot of fantasy books, but I think a lot of this seems like it must come from a book. I don't know what book it is, Mike. Is this from another book? Like, they're trying to to join all their fantasy books together to make the perfect fantasy. Yeah. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, Jamie Lannister is coming to Hogwarts. (laughs) 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 Anyway, I don't like him yet. I haven't gotten a book for. You will like him. I have to. Meg, I claim him. He's mine. You can't have him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. You can have him. (laughs) If you see that now, Meg, give it a couple of books. I want to. to. (laughs) Anyway. Sorry. So this is what I wanted to say, though. There you go. This is the thing. on the whole. By the way, I think that it sounds like we, we're all criticizing it, but I think part of that is it's just, it's a good story, and I think it's the nature of the story and the plot of it that it's, it brings up questions you have to ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that said, here's the thing that I thought that popped out to me, and maybe PS will agree: that the Slytherins are portrayed in a really, really bad light, ooh, and ooh, Snape. Yeah, I, very angry. Snape. <laughs> that, that, I get the feeling this is written right after book six, so Snape, I kind of go. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, Snape just killed Dumbledore, so he's making Snape a bad person. But what bugged me is how Harry treats uh, Malfoy in the beginning, in yeah. particular. And I because at this point, read, and I don't even like Draco. I think yeah. he should have point, tried to help him. Exactly, Draco's a ten-year-old kid. These are ten. You know, he's taking. And I see this sometimes in a lot of fandoms and in a lot of fix that uh, one quarter of Hogwarts is evil, and if you're sorted into Slytherin, you're automatically a bully and a bad person. You know, and the in theory, a 30-year-old Harry should be a little smarter than that, rather than, like, you know, his redo with Draco was that he hexes Draco stronger. It should be that his redo is he tries to help Draco and make Draco kind of see the light, and, you know... But uh, he thinks things about Draco and Ginny, right? Isn't that the underlying thing there? Draco and Ginny, no. Remember, he makes some some vague references, maybe... Maybe I'm. I didn't pick that up. He made the reference. Maybe I'm that, spoiling no, the, a story. No, he, well, he made the reference early on. I don't on. even remember. He thought that Draco had some sort of anger. To, well, he said that no, that he had something to do with when Ginny dies. Yes, like something he, might okay, have yeah, happened. He thinks then. Draco killed Ginny. I think. Or something. I think he thinks that more happened than Draco killed Ginny. Well, you know, even so, I mean, again, it's not just Draco. He treats Crab and Goyle just as badly. I mean, these mm-hmm. are ten-year-old, eleven-year-old, excuse me, eleven-year-old kids. Uh, it's just something, I don't know, something's not right when you just automatically assume 11-year-old kids I agree, kids yeah, but are, I don't think he treats, I, te- I don't really feel like he treats anyone in the story fairly. I mean, if you yeah. want to get right down to it. And I was going to make the point, because we talk about it being a man writing. And I think that there's an issue with, Ryan mentioned there being a checklist earlier. Well, I always felt like if you had this opportunity to come back and see people that were long dead, maybe it would just be a woman or just a different person, but you would be just so excited to see these people to begin with. Do you know what I mean? Instead of And I mean, I know that you would want to save them in the long run, Mm -hmm. but it feels so cold to begin with, that he doesn't have this loving, like, wow, I finally get to see Ron and Hermione. Like, he's forgotten 
why he wants to see them to begin with. That's not real I think to that's him, an I interesting care. I think that's a journey that the character takes, especially like you start to see towards the the middle of this set of chapters, and then even more to the end that he stops. He sort of is on his way from becoming clinical to sort of shifting over to oh yeah, you know these people are. There was a reason that I needed these people in my life, and um, I, I think that you know. He's, well, I can he's sort of done. understand because he remembers right. more vividly the thirty-year-old Hermione Ron. and Ron yeah. that were on his level, and they had grown up together. But they were grown up, right? Yes. Right. Now yes. he's with these children, and he's like, "Gosh, I remember when they were like this. It's really cute. Okay, I need to save their lives." That's an excellent point because you're you're absolutely right. If I went like I use the Danielle example of going back in time five years. I mean, five years is is not that huge of a difference for me. But say I was fifteen, I went back in time to when I was twenty-five. I mean, that's a huge jump it's even more so well, and like even more so like if you were a kid like yeah, when you were a kid it's even more so if you like tried to meet danielle when you were in middle school like yeah. you tried like, yeah, yeah. that's that's you could huge her then. that's huge and the first thing i would say like here's the thing if i went back in time and met chi when she was 11 <laughs> i would well, be laughing because like she would, well she would be correct she'd be correct in spelling, <laughs> she'd be but. too busy writing her not novel to talk to you exactly <laughs> is, do you do you know how to spell more you know what i would go back like if i went back in time and met my friends when i was 11 I would be like, I can't believe, you know, this person, you know, was, was like that. I, because you cloud things. When you get older, you, you you crystallize people in your memory and you don't remember things, you know, as they were. Like when Harry saw Ginny, I, you know, the first thing I would think is, oh, my God, I forgot she was ever that small. Oh, my God, I forgot that her hair was ever that short. I had forgotten, you know, the, the things she used to do when she was younger or I, I, I had forgotten that Molly Weasley, you know, was wearing what she was wearing that day. Or I, you know, I, I'm used to a 30-year-old Ron and I'm used to Ron, you know, with, with a very deep voice. I, I'm not I, – I didn't remember, you know, this. Like that would be me. My thing would be – if I made the mission to go back in time to when I was a kid, I would say, okay, kid, good. I, I remember I used to you know, be friends with this person and this person. And I'll do this, this, this. And you go back, you're like, oh, I forgot about that. Like, the, mm-hmm. the, I guess the one complaint I have is going back, he's like, yep, I'm here. Remember everything. Okay, here we go. And it's like yeah. there's no sense of wonder. Or, and that to me it seems – yeah. It feels like Harry has a copy of Harry Potter in his closet. So. <laughs> he's walking around and going to the book. Yep. Yeah. That, yep. That's absolutely yep. – Because yeah, ab- I mean it's, it's – yeah, because it's not just like – He's living it over again. I mean, he's living it. It's been years. Like, a long time. Years I can't do the math. Years. I like. I was about to do the math. It's like twenty years. Let's just say twenty, because PS can't do math. But um, <laughs> PS took maths like, from rolling. It's hey, fine. you got grammar. <laughs> Don't have to have everything. I mean, it's like look at me. I mean, it's been twenty years. I'm twenty. Like if I went back to when I was a baby and like saw like the '80s versions of my parents. Well, like, I was just thinking. I was like, <laughs> I mean, that doesn't make any sense. I was thinking about thing. this. I was like. I was like, well, what if I, 20-year-old she, went back to visit 11-year-old she? Like, um, I don't even remember. Like, I think I was in fifth grade, and I don't even remember my teacher's names. And I remember I had a fight with one of my best friends, but I'm not really sure what it was. But she, over, I and I still not like, documented in a fantasy series like Harry's was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that would be you the difference. You don't know this, but my life is actually a very popular young adult series. Um, Lady Chi and the, <laughs> the uh, goblet of tequila. Her real name and, is uh, her real name is Nancy <laughs> Drew. Everybody, she has to go because she has to so- solve the uh, bank. Yeah, I need to go talk to my friend George yeah, and exactly. uh, Bess. 
Yeah, it's like and, uh, 20 points to Ravenclaw for Lady Chi remembering who the hell was in that series. But Oh, I was a big Raven- Nancy Drew fan. Were you really? Yeah. Wasn't there a Nancy? Oh, yeah. Was there what? Mm-hmm. The Hardy Ned. Boys. Right, yeah, yeah the she Hardy- was like the Hardy Boys sister or something. I used to read the Hardy No, she was boys. friends she with the Hardy Boys. She- did you ever realize that did the Hardy really Boys never Did they really exist in the same canon? Like, I didn't know that. I think they did. I think they did, didn't they? Yeah, they would, like, hook up. You realize I mean, how they not never like got that, older? That always but... pissed me off. They never got older. Nobody gets older. The Babysitter's Club doesn't get older. Yeah, least. but you can't have 400,012 adventures, you know, in, in the span you of... Time you're 14 and 16. Yeah. Like, it doesn't <laughs> happen. The thing about the Babysitter's Club is that they would, like, go through the seasons of the year, and they would be like, it's the summer after 8th grade. We're going into 8th grade. Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I used to have... I still... I just got rid of all my Babysitter's Club. I cried. But I did keep my um, Laura Ingalls Wilder and all of my Louisa May Alcott books, just in I case anybody. All, all the Goosebump books. That's what I had. I remember. R.L. Stein. Stein. I had all the um, R.L. Stein. How did it begin R.L. Stein? How did it begin this? I can't remember. We just talking about young adult authors. I did not like R.L. St- you remember that show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? I yes, you would be the only one that remembered. That's oh, you remember scary. that? I remember that. I remember the, that. The, the, hated there it. Was, there was this that, one episode. I know there was this one episode that just creeped me the hell okay, out. Like I had to have like my <laughs> lights <Maggie>. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so let's get back to Harry Potter and the Nightmares of Future's Past. See how I hey, see nightmare. how I did right, that. Nightmare. I like that. They, back to night. That that was nice, Lady <laughs> Chi. Twenty point. Well, I just gave you twenty points. Really, we have to get over the the, the point of inflation. I want to say one thing though. The point where I I was concerned about the story was when um, Harry has the incident with Snape where he pretends to get knocked out in Dumbledore's office, and he asks uh, Professor McGonagall if she can find a replacement for Snape. And when she, offer, uh, when she offers to look, you know, to, will, it, will it please you if, you know, I, 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 I do some, you know, research into a possible replacement potion master, master, I'm like, he's 11! You would not be saying this to an 11! Like, yeah. Wait a minute now. Yeah, that what, I have to was say McGonagall body snatch. I know this guy. Right. Well, since he was straining to sue, the wizard equivalent. He's 11! In all fairness, though, in all fairness, though, that kind of stuff does get better. Like, the nice, th- the neat thing about this story that I want to make really clear, and like P.S. was saying, this is a fun part of reading fanfiction, is that you get to see his journey as an author and how he progresses and how he starts to, like, I'm not saying the writing is ever sloppy. I'm just saying that he starts to make better choices, you know, throughout the fic um, that, make it, that make it more interesting. You know, by the end of um, like chapter 10... Yeah. yeah, like more subtle. It's not like he's hitting you over the hammer with things. It's very, he he gets more subtle and he starts to, you know, there's nuance. He figures out, I mean, and I think this is both the author and the author's characterization of Harry. And like, it's really hard to tell where one ends and one begins when you have like a story that's so right. set in right. one perspective. In Canada, yeah. But I think it's like, um, he starts to realize that yeah, he could do the easy thing. Like he could go and go like, call Horace up on the phone and be like, can you come and replace Snape? But then that opens up so many questions that he can't answer, like how the hell do you know who this guy is, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, my yeah. question was, the one thing that jumped out at me was, why did McGonagall... Like, oh, okay, they're fighting the mountain troll. Why didn't someone say, where the hell did you learn that spell? Where the hell did <laughs> you learn that? See, first... I, 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 I wondered that throughout. It's like, a father cadaver! What? Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
suspension of belief that Harry's McGonagall like, I read all the books are stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. like all the adults have gone stupid. But no, in fairness, exactly. Though, I was like, Defendo is a nasty spell. Like it's but, nasty. It's it's the cutting spell, right? It's I mean, the one that. Feel like here's the thing, though, say, guys. Harry, you need to learn that in book four. But what? no, here's but guys, the, guys. Here's no, the thing, though. They don't call it book four in the series. That's how I feel. Meg like, still believes when you look down at the earth, you can see all the lines separating the countries. Like, they're really drawn. Into the... No, but, I know what I mean. Wait, I, read, I once saw a story like on one on like um on a, a group I belong to where we look at bad fan fiction. It, it was a TV fandom fic, and they said they were talking about an incident and that happened, and one of them actually said it happened back in season two. Somebody actually wrote that. Wow. Well, Meg, here's the thing, though. I think I think it was a Meg or Chi who was talking about why the teachers kidding, question things. Yeah, and <laughs> it's like <laughs> Lady Chi will be playing the part of Meg tonight. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. I'm not that cuddly. <laughs> well, <laughs> I walk over the Chi like she's a cactus. I'm like, give me a hug. Ow. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing. I agree with you guys. With um hindsight like if we were in their place we can see why this is not an 11 year old but the thing is it's not like the magic harry did is even magic that exists he basically researched and invented this spell as far as anyone knows you can't do what harry did and so it's because like just like if you met an 11 year old kid in real life who was talking like harry talks here you're not going to go oh he must be a 30 year old who set himself back in time you're going to go oh this is a really strange kid who seems to know a lot well, and that, sounds that's exactly it. Exactly. I, I, my thing is why they don't why they, my, well, my real question is like why they don't ask another question like for example that it's a Death Eater in Polyjuice. Well, well they, do, the they, they put the sorting hat on him to make sure at least. Yes, here's they the raised thing. the question of whether he was a Death Eater and they checked that. The sort yeah the sorting hat was number one. The sorting hat stuck up from number one. And here's the thing. We're not dealing with rocket scientists here. Voldemort is living on the back of that man's head underneath the turban. <laughs> these are not All good points. <laughs> these are not, you know, the most brilliant the people. Are stupid. <laughs> and about Polyjuice Potion, the, the fourth year Defense Against the Dark Arts professor was a Death Eater in Polyjuice, and they never checked him. <laughs> yeah, so why about would that. they check Harry? Like, we really need to focus on the fact that Dumbledore does... The, yeah, like, Hogwarts right, like, does... The movie in- Book four was a way better actor than thirty year old Harry and eleven year old <laughs> Harry. Year, well, I mean, no, come on. well, here's the thing. Like, this is the thing I was thinking because we were saying earlier. You know, what if you know you were saying, um, you know, if if you go back in time and prevent a fight, maybe you'll grow from the fight. I mean, and, and I want to transition because there's so much because I don't want this to be like we're bashing the, the fic. I mean, we can if we want to, but I feel that, that there's a lot of good stuff in in the later the half first of the chapters. So we pick apart the fic. Yes, we do. In the second episode, we all watch the Food Network. In the third episode, we all, we all <laughs> exactly. spoon. We have have a rhythm. Yes, she and I spoon. It's lovely. <laughs> um, I can't wait for that episode. Oh, God. Well, That's here's... Fun, are you just happy to see me? Here, here, here's the thing. If, if Jen can spoon with Danielle, I can spoon with Lady G. It's true. It's true. There's about as much chemistry between Ryan and I as there is between Jen and Danielle. I still, yeah. You can no, tell because you're spooning, and I'm still referring to her as Lady Chi. That's the problem. It's, it's just, you know what it is, Ryan? It's just because we both have such strong personalities that oh, if we ever you. tried to, like, no, yeah, no, if, no, no, like, no, if no. we ever spent, like, three days within each other's company, we'd be like, shut up. <laughs> like, oh, I have to just tell you, Chi and I are sending messages back and forth to each other during the episode saying, go to hell, blow me. And, she's the, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you this way, I'm the one saying, go to hell. <laughs> so, I mean, like, but... I, but 
but I love Lady Chi dearly. I do, really, I do. I don't know why, you but do. I do. I do. You always but, kiss and make up. You know, I do have something <laughs> nice to say about Chi. Fic. I just want to. Say, I wanted to share one thing with everyone here. Chi and I had a fight the other. I can't remember what the hell we fought about, but Chi and I absolutely had a fight the other. <laughs> And she was so sick. I don't remember what the hell she was on, but she was on something. And she was she woke up the next day and she sent me a message saying, I have no idea what we said last night. I'm like, we fought, we kissed, we made up, it's fine. <laughs> we spooned. We spooned. Don't worry about we, it. We spooned. <laughs> Yeah, you keep fighting with anyone. Look, you may know this in the middle of this episode, Chi and I don't speak for half an Mike, hour. Did you just say you can't see Chi fighting with anyone? I can't see I, Ryan fighting with anyone. I can see Ryan fighting oh with someone. Oh my goodness. I can't see Chi fighting with fighting with each other. I can fight. I can fight. Yeah, Ryan gets Ryan gets startled. Like, I can see him like Honestly, Ryan, out of the four of us, who's the one who doesn't fight? Chi. What? No, Ryan, out of the four of us, out of me and you and Jen and Chi, who's the one that doesn't fight? You don't fight. Exactly. It's me. I'm like, that sounds good. Meg sits in the corner and cries. Jen and I scream. Well, no, I don't know what. Do you think I can fight? I don't know. I if they ever break up, I'll be like a child of divorce. I just found out what your name was like Monday, so I'm not sure. But but yeah, it's well the Ryan and I are very. Ryan and I don't fight. We're just very cold to each other. Yes, here's it's the not thing. necessarily like, a mean thing. Yeah, and they say go to hell and here's, blow me. I'm the one saying go to hell. But um, <laughs> the, the, I think the family dynamic here is 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 Jen and I are like mom and dad, and we're you. Oh, that's nice, dear. Pass the juice, will you? Oh, that's wonderful. How was your day? Like that's how we act. But then, like you know, there's this undercurrent of I want you to die. No, just kidding. But Jen, <laughs> Jen and I, like I don't even remember what happened last week. I said something to Jen, and she wrote back a 94-page rebuttal, <laughs> which it sounded like you were talking Jen to the most when she's mad. No, no, she let me was, just no, say that she wasn't. She wasn't mad <laughs> though, and neither was I. Like I don't even uh-huh. remember. Like I wasn't mad. I wasn't. I, I don't remember. I think I said. Like, I'm concerned about something. But it was like saying, mm, I'm concerned if we take 95, we're going to get traffic near the pike. It was like that level of concern. Like, ooh, mm-hmm. maybe if we can, we get, like, it wasn't a big deal. But I sent it to Jen, and she sent me back a 94-page rebuttal, which read like you're talking to the guy who has the gun on you in, in the gas station convenience <laughs> mart, and you're, like, hostage negotiating. And I'm like, are you going to the impression I'm about to crack and, I'm, and I even call her. I read the first three sentences and I call her. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? And she's like, no, really. I just want to make sure you're okay with that because I'm looking out for your best interests. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm saying I like Chinese better than Mexican. I didn't know we had to. And it doesn't help that she calls me Captain Coronary. <laughs> but, oh my God, is he just... is so anal retentive that one of these days he's just going to have like a heart attack and die over something that doesn't matter. No, no here's he's the deal. Like... I, I have to explain this to everybody here. I am working on the season finale episode of season one right now. It involves me opening. Now we have we've released fifty one episodes in season one. Okay, fifty. And they average episodes. about four hours. Long. They average like three <laughs> hours long each. So that's a hundred and fifty, not whatever, however, one hundred fifty three hours, whatever it works out to be. Uh, of uh, uh, now, I use Audacity, uh, the program Audacity, to edit. So when you open one episode, um, it takes about three minutes to get the thing open. And then you have to find the thing, and you have to copy and paste. And half the time, Audacity will crash, and you'll have to reopen it up again. And you have to cut and paste. 
Uh, yep. Then you have to yeah. go back through and you have to remove all of the, like the microphone, you know, glitches and remove the background noise. And then you have to decide what clips you want, and then you have to put them in order. But then, as a res- you know, I may have you know this episode saved in a different format. So unfortunately, she sounds like a chipmunk in this episode, so I have to fix that. And I have an episode where literally it's a, it's a ten second clip of Chi, but it was stretched to five minutes. That's like I'm Lady Chi. <laughs> and I have to fix that. I have to put the whole thing together. Now, I had – I went through 27 episodes of the podcast. Mm-hmm. 27 episodes. And mm-hmm. I scrubbed every one and I put the spaces in and I made it sound beautiful. And I saved it as a file to send to one of our forum members to listen to make sure that one was good. Then I was going to go through, grab the last you know 10 episodes and, and, and you know finish the thing off. And I saved it as a, as a file, and I deleted the original because the original was so massive I couldn't have both of them. So I deleted the original, and then I opened it in iTunes, and it only caught the first 28 minutes. Of seven mm-hmm. hours. Of seven hours. So I, a- I, went on the, I went on the forum, and I said, <laughs> the season finale has been canceled. Thank you for your time and attention to this matter. I walked up in my room, and I threw pillows, and I called Danielle. And I'm like, and she, I don't think she knew it was me. Like just <laughs> hell hard, and then I'm like, <sighs> and then I went back on the forum, and I had posted. And I have this private area on the forum for just the host. I had posted in there. I'm pulling the plug on the season finale, and like five minutes later, I go back on and I post. I'm plugging it back in again, and I started with episode one because I can't let it go. You know why I can't let it go? That will let the terrorists win. <laughs> so I had to start the damn thing all, and I'm back up to episode 27 again. So at least you didn't get the ones I sent you where I was going backwards. That was one of the timestamps I sent you. The I have it starting at like yeah. 1 hour 27 minutes and 52 seconds and then I have it ending at like 1 hour 25 minutes. Yeah, that, that was that wasn't confusing at all. I'm like PS is using, you know, like the metric system number one. <laughs> and she's going backwards I, in time. I, I did not include that one in the second one that I sent you because I couldn't figure out where it was. Yeah, I, I couldn't find. It's like she's like grab a minute 27 seconds. It's awesome and I go to it and it's basically, <laughs> you know, like it's it's the, it's the moment when we're all in the bathroom and she is just <laughs> coughing and like grunting. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> the, thing, well, the thing is, I couldn't, I couldn't get. I was listening it to it in Windows Media Player, oh. um, because that's the only one where I could. That's the only thing I could find where I could get it to be at the exact second. Because like obviously, <laughs> like if I would hear them say something funny, I had to go back and figure yeah. out where it started. Well, I'm listening. So it's like, yeah, and I'm listening to the thing today at work, and I literally had Phil's ED joke four times in a row. <laughs> and like, was I drunk? Like, why did I put this in? So now I sent. I'm sending the whole thing to Kezabear just to edit. I'm like, tell me if you hear repetition. And there's like <laughs> stuff like, like, cause like I was like, and then I went would go back and look at like the stuff that I'd listed and I like had forgotten what it was. Right. Like mm-hmm. I did 19 and like all of 19 is a gold mine because that's the one where it was. That's the one with Jen and Chi in the boat. I saw when Ryan posted about that pulling the plug on the episode, and I looked up and I was like, oh, Ryan had a coronary. I'm so glad I wasn't online last night. <laughs> I, think, I think I was the one that, um, what, did, what did I post directly after that? Um, something like, deep breast there, Captain Coronary. <laughs> because she knows when I'm upset, calling me Captain Coronary helps. <laughs> He goes. Usually, I'm just like. But you know what it does, Ryan? It just reaffirms your your belief that some things never change, and (laughs) 
you know, yeah. my snarky attitude is unfailing just, no matter what the situation. <laughs> that's an example of snark. There, yeah, there you go. It, it <laughs> there you go. Well, that's no, it a is, very it's, mild example of snark. <laughs> well, you know what it is? It's like I, I see myself. I'll show you our conversation from the middle of this podcast. And that'll, that'll be what snark is like. I'm like actually reading. No, hold on. Allow me. Allow me. Allow me. Allow me. Hold on. Let me see. Hold on. See, that's why I like cheese. Lighting's up. Don't even humor. start with me. You've obviously had bad cheese. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. Shut up. <laughs> I love cheese. We need to talk after the podcast. Go to hell. <laughs> I didn't. I, I know. I know. I'm mad. We didn't. That, 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 that's, that's, no. that's your phrase. I use go to hell like I use. Ooh, is that a bagel? Like I just. It's just an expression. <laughs> I'm like demeaning cheese faith. I'm like. That's that. okay. That's okay. I did tell one of our other forum members that his head was so far up his ass that he was going to need a bigger pair of pliers than I own to get me that today. I love and... how you're a moderate. <laughs> yeah, this is why she rocks. <laughs> that that was probably a bad decision on my part, but that's about as that's about as mean as I get to people. That's not and, mean. Everyone knows you're you know you mean it well. <laughs> I mean it in the nicest possible way. But could you shove your head you. any further? Up your <laughs> well, that's the thing. I love you. Well, that's no, thing. Brian. I really do have to tell you after the podcast about my day today. You'll understand. Good believe God. me. That's fine. But it's um, it's even like when, like even now we're in the middle of this episode, and it's like. You would think listening to this that we absolutely hate the story, but we do, like I like I like literally I cut off grandma on the highway to get home tonight and prepare for this. I mean, I like it. I well, no, I, 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 like for, I think I voted for it. <laughs> I voted I like for this. I voted story. for it. Right. You know what? I love I, the concept I, of this story. I love I the concept. Really well, let me even say this because we're doing we're doing. You know, this is our first episode. We're doing four more on it, and I think this is the episode where we're not going to go through it scene by scene and say I love the scene. Uh, you know, on the train. Because well, we're just getting into it. We're just well, we can't it do out. that because every scene we're, we're covering here was in you know J.K. Rowling's original novel. So we all love <laughs> exactly. You know what scene I did like, which I thought was clever. What's that? Was putting the Sorting Hat into a horse. I like the Sorting Hat a lot in this. Both the Sorting Hat is a Horcrux and the Sorting Hat helping Harry out. Did I know it was a Horcrux? Yes. Yeah, you knew that. Knew if you were so. reading. Yeah. Yes, in the beginning, it was a Horcrux. It was a, yeah. A, okay. That was a very I'm common so theory before Book I'm going to cry when he has to destroy the Sorting Hat. I love the Sorting Hat. He's not going to, though. He says he's going to find a way to separate the Horcrux from the hat. That's what I he know, but anyway. it still makes me scared and sad. Every time I think I of love the Sorting Hat, hat. The sorting my hat, favorite part of the verse. I say get rid of the Sorting Hat, big. Big deal. I mean, come well, on. Well, I think you know if you get rid of the Sorting Hat, though, you get a lot. You, I think you know the idea of houses is probably one of the bigger mistakes of the Wizarding World. You know, you know. I agree. Here I agree. we have, you know. Honestly, so I think maybe in the end, that's probably a better idea. Like, 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 how? Who are you to say that there are only four basic personality types in the world? And, that everybody and when you're eleven years old, you're forced into together. Like, if yeah. you are living. In a- in a dormitory for seven years of your life with nothing but people that are exactly like you. Something's yeah, going to explode. Like, could you imagine putting all of the PSs in a dorm together for seven <laughs> years? PS and I would be dorming together. Just think about that. Well, no, like, I'm picturing this. Everyone, the that would be the cleanest, <laughs> most, most Lysol-smelling dorm in the entire <laughs> school. 
I'm sorry, you say my soul, and I think of the restricted sex. Me too. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm coming up I think, kitchen counters, kitchen counters. Oh, God. She's like, oh, my God, I have to go clean my kitchen. You people. I'm looking at my kitchen right now, and I'm imagining what must have happened. Yes, insinuated that she was in my attic. <laughs> <laughs> All of our younger members will listen oh, to this. Like, <laughs> the restricted section is not fun unless you're 18. Just so everybody laughed. After that, you're fine. Before then, though, so it's not fun. Yeah, it's so not fun. So so forum, I don't really read. Well, I don't know why. So for some reason, there's certain forums. I, I always like, I look at threads are so intimidating. Oh. Well, can no, I just tell not, you, I went, like, no, I went in the restricted section one day and posted something innocent, and the next post was P.S. trying to pry off my pilgrim suit, and I ran like that. <laughs> That's true, I remember that. I think we were bored. <laughs> no kidding, it's like attack the new P.S. Guy. don't lie, that's not what we do when we're bored. <laughs> we oh, God. I mean, it so, is, but... Random right. people in the strip, like, Richard, but, we're bored, turn on the music. <laughs> 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 Anyway, All right. um. but, but here's one thing I want to say. Originally, in, you know, when we got to the first four chapters, my comment to Chi and to Meg and to Jen was that I kind of wish, like I said before, that, that it wasn't so much, you know, older Harry going back in time. I really had wished it was um, it, it was younger Harry with visions of the future because I would have thought that would have been more interesting. But as we, and, yeah. Well, no, I don't – here's the thing. I really don't. You, know, you want not, Harry to be like A Y L N O Harry, but with visions of the future in canon. Why are we bringing <laughs> like, no, no, I just like, meant no, like no, with visions of the future. Yeah. You know what? what yes. Like, a year like no no. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's I, the thing. I thought Meg was just like. I just spout off. I thought it was like YMCA or something like that. I'm trying to figure out what it. I'm picturing she with. I'm picturing. I'm picturing PS making like the M over her head, trying to do the YMCA thing. And I was not doing. Y L N O. Yeah, it's like Young Ron. There's no reason to fret. I said Young Ron. Da 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 da. You just stay there. At Hogwarts, you can something, something, something. Da, 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 da. Okay, sorry. Can someone make a note when I do the second season finale to put Chi doing YMCA from this into it? But, but no, so remember. No, no but seriously, think, just. R S E H. What? Right, Ravenclaw Southern. Okay, come on, we only have. 25 minutes left. We need to talk strictly fix. Have we then. even started the fucking... Yes. No, but here, here's the thing. What, do you remember the scene from A Year Like None Other when it's, it's for the first few chapters, it's Harry and Snape in Surrey, but part of the plot is that Snape is polyjuiced to resemble Remus. And it's yeah. when the two of the characters start to get to know each other. And you, you have Harry in that fit keep saying, not Remus, not Remus, not Remus, reminding himself that the person at the table who looks like Remus Lupin is, in fact, Severus Snape. You, mm-hmm. as the reader, forget after a while that you're dealing with um, you're, you, that you're dealing with someone who looks like Remus Lupin. You're picturing Alan Rickman sitting at, at Petunia Dursley's kitchen table. I mean, that's... So, so you, she's wearing her slut dress. Yeah, yeah. which she's wearing her, her slut dress. So that, that's, what you're, <laughs> that's what you're picturing. So you can see how, you know, the two characters are getting to know each other, but in reality, it's, it's augmented by the fact that, you know, he looks like 
Harry's good friends. Of course, Harry's going to be more open to it rather than, you know, if he had Alan Rickman sitting at the table, he'd be like, who the hell are you? He's like, hello, I'm Alan Rickman. But um, <laughs> so when you go into this story, in my mind, I'm picturing Dan Radcliffe from Philosopher's Stone. I'm picturing, you know, I'm picturing Dan Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, and Emma Watson with, with the bushy hair at the time they got her right without the eyebrows walking around the – so that is what I'm picturing. And I'm picturing Bonnie Wright when she was in, you know, Philosopher's Stone for 10 seconds. Like that's what I'm, I'm picturing. I'm I'm trying to vision them all older so it's less pervy. No, it's not even – like, Yeah. I read stories. I can't even – well, for this one, it's easy because I, I can I – can, I, I don't read – like, when I pitch them older, they kind of go off in different directions. But younger, I can picture the actors real well because I've seen those movies so many times. But my thought on it is – okay, say, for example – this is tough. But say, for example, I went back in time to when Danielle was 11, okay? And I meet her as an 11-year-old. And say, for example, I'm in my 11-year-old body. Let's make this real simple. I'm still going to remember Danielle from when she's 24, that, like that I can't like I will remember all the times we've had together. I'll remember the first time we met. I'll remember you know the first vacation we took. I'll I'll, I'll remember the, the time she did that stupid thing, which I promise to tell you all later, to get over the fact that she's telling Jen all my stupid things. Like you know I I will remember all those moments. So I will still feel the love I feel for the twenty four year old, even though I'm looking at her as an eleven year old. And what's what I think is 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 really difficult to 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 get into, but I think it is it is possible. It's really it, it's like makes sense. It's a slippery slope. But I really can see the fact that he's looking at a ten year old, but he is remembering her at seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, however old she was when she died. Yeah, the logic. She she go first, then Meg, then P.S. Oh, I was just going to say, I was listening to that and I was, I was agreeing with you, uh, you know, on a lot of levels, on, on all levels, really. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, yeah, but like hormones happen between <laughs> 10 and 20. Well, let and, me ask you this. Let you me know, ask you this. I, serious question. Harry's 30 at the end of the story, right? Mm-hmm. Harry yes. was in love with Ginny who died at 16. You see, that, that's what gets me. It's not... Harry at 30 and Ginny at 30 or even Harry at 17 and Ginny at 17. It's Harry at 30 and Ginny and either – and Ginny is either 10 or 16. But that's, that's, not, so per, that's not weird to me though because think about it. You're, you're 16. You're madly in love with someone who dies. And, you know, like, okay, look, look, let me even put it this way. My father died when he was 57. My mother was 54 at the time. When my mother is 88 years old, she's going to remember, you know, when my father was 56 years old. And it's not yeah. like, you know, a, a guy in his 50s dating a much older woman at that point. I mean, Harry remembers Ginny in her teenage years. That was, the, that was when he fell in love with Ginny, and that was when they knew each other. So even though she dies at 16, he still remembers that when he's 30. But it's not like, you know, he's going after, you know, a child at that point because he's remembering himself at that age. So because of the sci-fi plot element that he then goes back – and, and meets her when she's 10, he's still remembering what they had together when she was older. And there was even, because I knew these were going to be some of the, some of the you know, controversies that would come out about Harry's identity and, and the appropriateness of the relationship. And I even sent um, a link to PS last night about, um, it's the scene when um, Ginny writes the letter to Harry and he's picturing her and in, in, in taking a bath. You have essentially 30-year-old Harry remembering 16-year-old Ginny when he was 16 years old or 17 years old. And how it's not appropriate because he's hearing it from a 10-year-old. I mean, that 
it's weird. It's sci-fi. It's like, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts commercial when, you know, Fred the Baker opens the door and he's coming in. I mean, it's, 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 it gives you a migraine to think about. Well, and that's the only way you can justify it. The only way I justify it is I like to think about the 30-year-old version of Harry being stunted. Honestly. He was in love with Ginny when he was 17 and she was 16. And then after that, his whole life, as far as romantic feelings went, was and over. It was over. He was. I know that person. Voldemort, and then that was it. So I know I like that to person. Think of Harry's part of himself that way is stunted. He's still seventeen that way, and to me, if I, I mean, it takes a while to get there. But if you think about it that way, it's not as pervy. I know that person. Yeah, it's I not ha- a. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, Grant. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely when you understand. First what read it. Your first feeling is shudder. Ew, why is 30-year-old trapped in 11-year-old Harry's body thinking of 10-year-old Ginny in a bath? I he's mean, not. Ugh. He's not. But, <laughs> he's I mean, not. like, you have yeah. to sort of, like, be like, well, If you think what it about- through, it's... Right. It yes, it bugs me that you have to think it through that much for it to be okay. My final opinion on the relationship between Harry and Ginny as of Chapter 10 is that it is exactly like I just said. It is, you know, someone who was, who was you know, 30 years old, remembering the love of his life, who died at 16... And the fact that he, through a sci-fi plot, is is getting to you know interact with her at the age of, of 10, 11, you know, it's beside the point. He is a thirty-year-old is still remembering the love of his life who died fourteen years earlier. Now that said, I believe that within the plot, you were going to see the fact that Harry is in an eleven-year-old body become more key, and the fact that even though he has the memories of thirty, he's eleven as far as the story is concerned. I think you're going to see him grounded somehow. It, you're not going to have you know thirty-year-old Harry, you know, just growing up within this. I think you're going to see younger Harry because this was emerging, and I don't. I believed in the early chapters that the merging was a plot device just to get thirty-year-old Harry in younger Harry's body. I think you're going to see younger Harry reassert himself as the story goes on. That is my prediction. Uh, I want to go on record right now as disagreeing with that. Okay, where where are we disagreeing? How far have you read? Just for sake of farther argument. than you. <laughs> okay. Um, Nate, did you finish the story? I just want to know because I did. Well, I mean, it's not completed. Is it? Well, well let me ask you this: Are you sa- I've, I've are you making predictions? I've read as much as there is to read. Are you making okay, predictions, so or are I, you I'm saying? I'm not making a prediction, but I feel like you will change how you feel about that. All right. I also disagree with you, Ryan. I think it doesn't. I don't think he gets grounded by his eleven-year-old body at all. I think that what what you have to realize is that as the fit goes on, his body gets older. So Mm -hmm. it's sort of like it's very well. Anyway. Well, no. What I mean is, I mean the the chapters that we read, he's eleven. The chapters that we read next week, he's twelve. Well, let me say this though: when he's thirteen-year-old Harry, let me say this though: when he's fourteen-year-old, what I mean by that is fourteen-year-old Harry may start thinking like fourteen-year-olds do. Is what I'm saying. He may start. But he hasn't been to fourteen yet. But but that's what. But but what I mean by that is that as Harry goes through puberty, as Harry grows, as Harry is fourteen-year-old Harry and thirteen-year-old Ginny get to know each other, I I believe that he will start to behave as though he is a fourteen-year-old. The thirty-year-old memories. That's possible. Like as his body like becomes more, it's he's gonna be more comfortable. I guess letting because I think I think a lot of it is is even I mean I'll give Harry some credit here and think that the reason he's trying not to think about Ginny is because on some level he does know it's creepy but when it becomes less <laughs> creepy because well, they're they're getting older he's going to let himself act on 
be more like likely. Yeah. Well, and especially yeah. since he's Damn. been thinking about it since he was eleven. By the time he's fourteen, he's going to be like, "Hey, <laughs> I'm fourteen now." <laughs> I mean, yeah, could kiss her I or can... something, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is going to be. <laughs> you can, he can't help help it. I would think, and so this in that so way, like... you, he is maybe behavior wise, he will act like a fourteen year old. But he's still was, a very advanced fourteen-year-old. Yeah. Here's what I was I thinking: view this is that story. there are moments in the story where Harry is kind of like, "Have you ever seen um, or, or read?" For those of you that actually read, um, <laughs> "Interview with a Vampire" yes. by Anne Rice. Ages, and ages ago. I yeah, think I was there's that little creepy ass vampire chick. Oh God! Girl. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. And she's like, yeah. she ends up going crazy because she can't have sex, basically. But like. <laughs> I was thinking about this, and I was like, Harry is like that little vampire in Claudia. <laughs> yeah. Claudia. She, he, you know, Claudia has lived for centuries and centuries and centuries, and she's stuck in this body. She's eight years old. Yeah. And she's stuck in this eight-year-old body. And it, I was thinking about that, and I was like, what an interesting idea. Like, how frustrating it would it be to have all of my memories at 20 but be limited to what I was physically capable of at 11. Like, it's an interesting concept, you know? It's it's so unique. It, it's something that's like, it, it's like how much of, of me is my memories and how much of me is, you know, hormones and body. That's something like I actually want to know. Like, I, if, if I were writing this story, I would, like, go to the library and get books about the brain and actually learn and find out. I will say this. I I, 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 shot, I shot an email back and forth with Feridian letting him know that this is probably going to be the topic of the first chapter. I was curious if he had any responses. And the response he wrote back to me, I don't have it in front of me, implied that he did do that and that that is the focus of what he's trying to write about, the, the, Harry's identity and you know the, the moral and ethical questions of it is very key to the story he's writing. It wasn't like an afterthought or it wasn't like, ooh, this might be conceived as X, Y, and Z. Like it was actually one of the main, you know. Themes. Well, I mean, and then he succeeded very well because as an author, you know, when you write something like this, you're hoping to inspire dialogue. And what happened, you yes. know, a year, well, a year later, we're having a very heated debate about, you know, um, yes. unconsciously psychology and development and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and I think it this, And I, I just want to say, that, yeah, I just want to say this real fast, too. The fact that, you know, if you put the four of us in front of a fic that we love or the six of us, oh, maybe about five of us or whatever. I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking the main host. But, you know, when you yeah. love you, peons, when you put, you know, four people, six people, whatever, in front of, you know, the best story of all time, where they sort of talk about, oh, I don't you love the scene when on the bridge? Oh, I love that. I mean, there's only so much you can freaking talk about. I mean, and I wanted to say this, too, to free, you've, you, you've invested, you know, a lot of, you know, blood and sweat and time. Well, probably not blood and sweat unless you get a paper cut. But, you know, like you've invested a lot of your of, of yourself into a story. And we may either disagree with parts of it, but we certainly respect the fact that you did that and that you're in the hot seat and that you're, you know, I don't like it when people, you know, insult my penmanship. So the fact that we're talking about, you know, what you've put to words is, you know, is, we, we respect the fact that you're letting us do that and that you're, you know, surviving us doing that. But just it's, to- it's yeah, it's it's quite a um, it's quite a <laughs> to put yourself out there and let yourself 
come under the, uh, especially if you've listened to the, I, th- I don't think any authors will ever make the experience, the mistake of not listening to a Potterfic Weekly episode ever again. Um, but <laughs> she I sent me a message know. a few weeks ago. Please be nice when it's my. Favorite. Are you looking forward to this? Like, actually, actually, I kind of am. I'm really, I'm really interested to see because I, I. It's interesting in that you all know me, so you you might hear my voice. Yeah. You know, in story. Oh, I, um, I, I do. I've noticed, like, if I'm reading, like, when I was, if I read something you write, I hear you, like, reading it to me. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird. Um, but, like, I, that's what's so interesting. What's fascinating for me about this podcast and this project is that we go over this thing and then we dissect them. And then after we're done dissecting them, then we talk to the author. And what's fun for me is to talk to the author after we've dissected it. And I, we've gone through this basically intellectual exercise. Go back and reread it and see what I take away differently having known the author and understand some of their perspectives. Well, exactly. How many times yeah. – like I listened to some of the year like none other podcasts for the, for the clip show and the, there was a few moments where she's like, well, you know, Aspen obviously has a great deal of experience in, you know, you know studying the you know, clinical depression and blah, blah, blah. And when we got Aspen on the show, she's like, yeah, I just basically pulled that all on my ass. But I'm glad that, you know, it seemed like I yeah. did research. And it's like – you you get this image in your mind. Meanwhile, we were like basing all our therapy off of a year like none other the whole time we were reading it. Meg's having a conversation with her son. Do I not give you enough milk? Are you angry at me for that? <laughs> give mommy a hug. Like, I and it's seriously like, was like, I don't understand. Why am I doing this? Maybe it's something from my childhood. <laughs> and it was all from reading it. You're Aspen, like, no, no, no. So we find out Aspen pulled yeah. it out of her ass. I was like, God As, damn it. Aspen, uh, Aspen nearly turned us all into Freudians, you know? Yeah, so that it, was it, that. for no apparent reason. But you know what? <laughs> and the thing I'll say with this story is anyone, like I said, anyone who's watched the Star Trek episode knows that there's ethical questions about everything. But the thing I will say about about, like I know a lot of people, and I hope you know because I'm firmly in the Harry is not a child molester group. So I'm 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 hoping that maybe some of the see people... I view the whole story I think differently than uh, the whole issue. I think I don't see it as an issue. With, I don't see like I personally I don't think it's an issue. Whole, I think it's a, the whole. It's deb- a... I mean, whatever you want to call it, the whole debate, yeah. the whole because to me it's you guys are all approaching it from the sense that because he has the memories of a 30 year old, he is like a 30 year old. But I guess I'm looking at it more from a combination of the body and soul aspect where I think to myself, well, if I suddenly got memories of the next 40 years, does that mean I want to start dating 60-year-olds? Probably not. Like if I knew what I was doing, when, if I had memories myself at, 55, at the age 55, but I'm still here right now, I don't want to date a 60-year-old. I'm sorry. That's uh, a dude thing. Well, no, but, but it's, not, it's not like I'm still me. Like, like this to me. Guys always want to date young women. Well, that's, well, yeah, well, let me say that's this, Mike. To, let me just say this. Well, not that younger, but let me just say this, Mike, to, uh, yeah. to, to, to kind of put a new spin on that. It, the story as it's written is that because we experienced 30-year-old Harry and then we experienced the 11-year-old Harry, they're written the same way. It's not written like 11-year-old Harry has these memories that he doesn't know what to do with. It's right, but he, like he knows novel. exactly what to do it's with the them. consciousness. He is he, yes. Harry, yeah. For the yeah. purposes of the story, he is thirty-year-old Harry in eleven-year-old Harry's body. I don't yeah. think he is, though. I, I think he is. I think I mean, you be, if he is. I think you look at the actions he takes, the things he says, the people he knows. Right. Well, it's the narration, too. It's the narration of the character as he's thinking. It's the way he talks. It's the way he moves. It's the way he interacts with people. Oh, I, I mean, he you. is 30 years old. He I doesn't mean, act like an 11-year-old. He's like. with his friends. When he is with Ron and Hermione and Neville, it is like he is 
he is an adult talking to children. His dialogue yes. is written that he's an adult talking to children. That, right. that is why I say he sounds like a pedophile because the way it's the way he interacts, not necessarily Ginny because he doesn't really talk to Ginny in these chapters because he's at Hogwarts and she's at home. But it's the way he talks to Ron and Hermione and Neville. It's like he he, right. he sounds like one like an adult that's too friendly with kids. Because exactly. Like if you take a development if you take a development class or you take a psychology class, they talk about what what pedophiles and what um you know like not saying that Harry is a pedophile, but if I were an adult, I would you know if and a you know it would just be very suspicious to me that this is this is not interaction between children. This is interaction yes. between an adult and a group of kids. And if if Harry had a thirty year old body and he was interacting this way with eleven year olds, you wouldn't let your you wouldn't let Harry live next door to you. There would be if no way Molly, because if you were Molly Weasley and you found out that right. Harry, who's thirty, who's in an eleven year old body, is corresponding with your daughter, who's ten. Yeah, you would not be okay with that. And it's, I get I mean, that, and I agree with you. But I guess to me, it's almost like in how he acts. There's no he acts like a thirty year old. There's no real difference from a plot or a story or a dialogue point of view. But I guess to me, there's almost a difference from um, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say spiritual because that sounds like religion, and that's not what I'm talking about. But I don't know how else to phrase it. That you know, spiritually, he's still an eleven year old, even if. Mentally, dialogue-wise, etc., he's a thirty-year-old. But then I think well, that, I don't, Booker, that I, asks the question of, "What are you?" I mean, are you? I mean, I I came into this. I think one of the first things I said was basically, "Your memories are all you are." Because right, if you don't have any memories, you're nothing. So I think so. That to me makes Harry thirty. And when I say your memories, I mean it's not. I mean, it, it's really like you're getting even beyond. Experience like, and memory. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, like, I think okay. that's, where we that's differ, all that makes that, who, you, who you are. Well, and like, if we're talking we about something spiritual, then, like, you're talking about a, like, a, like a soul or an undefinable yeah, soul. Quality. That's what I'm getting. And to me, I mean, Harry is an old soul. I mean, obviously. that The way that he's, mm-hmm. I mean, your soul is that that undefinable quality that makes you you but it manifests itself in how you talk and how you interact and how you think and all of those things are are Harry as a, as a 30 year old so i don't see well, where you're saying that there's says, anything of Harry of the 11 year old Harry I mean, left in in Harry there's nothing left of him the, well, the 30 year old Harry his soul is in that 11 year old body and he is controlling everything it specifically says in a couple of places that it's not 30-year-old Harry's soul. I, I mean, I can probably find you the exact quotes if I well, look Well, I for think it. it says they merged, but I think when they right. merged, the 30-year-old parts overrode the 11-year-old parts. Like when you have two versions of a Word document and you merge them. Yeah. I want to say this because I think we're, we've been going round and round and round and round, and there's like so much of this conversation. I think you know. I think we, we're either going to change our minds or we're not. But let me just ask you this: Is any because I know Meg has to go soon. Is there anyone who started off the podcast tonight with an opinion different than the one they have now? Has anyone come around? Has anyone changed their opinion at all? Or are we all pretty much where we started from? No, I have a little bit. Still in the same position. I'm still where I was. Then let me just say this because this is what I'm saying. What appeals to me too, or what occurs to me too. Harry Potter, the Harry Potter characters have never been normal kids. 
they have, you know, fought the bad guys in pitch battles when they've been 16 and 15. They have fought giant snakes at 12. They have, like, Hermione has come across, like, a 35-year-old since the moment she appeared in the series. And there has been... They have never been 11-year-olds. They have never been normal kids. It has never happened. Now, within the context of the story, you have a Harry who has been without his friends and family for close to, you know, Jenny he's been without for for 13 years. You know, Ron and Hermione, you know, at least two years. Um, he, he is all alone in the world. He obviously has deep emotional scars. And he gets the opportunity to go back in time and to the time he's 11. And the question you should the, – the first thing that occurs to me now is if I went back in time as an 11-year-old and started hanging out with all my friends from 11, I'm going to be more mature than they are. Mm-hmm. I, I, that, that, I, am I going to have fun talking to them about whatever the hell we talked – about girls and whatever the hell we talked about when we were 11 when we sounded like morons and you know, going to class and learning how to multiply? Like am I going to – like I'm going to be bored out of my mind with these people. I'm going to want to read the, you know, the Wall Street Journal because I'm just going to be you – know, talk politics, you know, down with Reagan. Yeah. Laws. I mean like that's the thing that occurs to me. And <laughs> Oh, there's another reason we don't get along. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I would have voted for Reagan in his first term. Come on. My father voted for Reagan. That was like his big thing. He's like, do you know I voted for Reagan? Like big – um, when you go, when you think about it, now would Harry have the same experience as me? No, Harry hates being old. Look what he's got. like. His entire adult life has been death and destruction. How like someone with the emotional scarring of Harry? Number one, we probably want to retreat back to a time when his biggest worry was Quidditch. Um, mm-hmm. You know, beyond that, you know, the, the the people he's retreating back to sound like they all have their doctorates anyway. I mean, pick up, yeah, pick up, true. pick up Sorcerer's Stone. They sound, you know, like like adults. You know, Ron may, you know, not act towards Hermione as he would when he's seventeen. But they're, you know, from a literary standpoint, there's not a huge, huge, huge difference here. So, I think that we have to remember that this is a fantasy series. It's not real life, and. I think just like what I said before, when you think of Harry, this is a Harry who's gone half of his life without Ginny, and Ginny's alive. She's a, she's a kid. She's 10. This is before she had the awful experience with Tom Riddle. He himself is living out the life of an 11-year-old, which is probably very comforting to him or should be comforting to him because it's, far, it's, 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 a simp- it's simpler times. This is first year. The biggest problem he has is he, the, the guy who killed his parents is is living on the back of, the, of his of the dude's head. But you well, know, the thing that's the thing that's interesting about the story is that it's everything that I hear my older friends talking. Like you know, oh, don't you wish you could go back to when you were, you know, eleven and your parents took care of everything for you and. You know, or don't you wish we were back in high school when we, you know, had some freedoms, but, you know, we, at the end of the day, mom and dad still paid rent and, you know, people think, you know, look back and they think very nostalgically about these times and they, I think they grossly oversimplify Mm -hmm. the problems of an adolescent, you know, and uh, I, you know, I I wouldn't go back to 11 if you paid me money. There Mm -hmm. is no way I would live through puberty again. How like he gets there? Like if you get you you get there and 
he he just like forgot how tedious it would be. Like for example, he knows all the answers to all the homework, but he still has to do it. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, like, if you can picture like going back to like fourth grade and like having to do your fourth grade math homework, and yeah, you're sitting there doing like four plus five is nine, but yeah, you, but you still have to sit there and go through it all. I've never been able to watch Ron and Hermione go round and round ever again. No, well, here's the thing. If you were Harry and you lived through the entire... Like, I knew these kids when I was 12. No, I'm sorry. I was older. I was 16. And I forget their names, but he liked her. She liked him. She knew that he liked her. He knew that she liked him. She knew that he knew that she knew. He knew that she knew that he... And everyone knew everything, but they wouldn't talk about it. It was the most annoying thing to live through. If I had, to, if I could go back in time, I would have smacked their heads together on day one because there's no way in hell I'm listening to this damn thing again. I mean, on some level, you can't blame Harry for going back and on day one saying, okay, we're going to fix the whole Ron Hermione thing on day one. And yes, it's manipulation. Yes, you shouldn't do it. Yes, it's it's Pandora's box and it's a slippery slope. But you Yeah, know it might not work. You know, it's the little things that he decides to change that make to make things easier that are going to make the later things and later chapters more interesting. Like, and if he, he had won't know. Kids. He won't right. know about it. Like, for example, with the Ron Hermione relationship, which obviously I'm very keenly interested in. I mean, he's telling – he's saying things to make it, like, easier, like they're going to get together sooner. But Harry's not around when they're alone together. And it happens a lot. It's very frequent through the books that Ron and Hermione are are not with Harry, that they're talking about Harry or something. He's changing all those things. Yeah. I mean, the biggest so, thing I'm realizing is he's coming across to Dumbledore. Like, maybe he doesn't care what Dumbledore's opinion is of him as much Puppet as... Puppet Master Harry. Well, yeah, he's... Well, no, he's coming across to Dumbledore as the Harry Potter rock star that he was always perceived to be but never was whereas oh mm-hmm. maybe Bo Batons is in this cold or maybe I'm thinking ho- coming to Hogwarts was a mistake and you know to Dumbledore Harry was always this courageous kid who you know was more than what he should have been and he's he's coming across as you know what this is just too high of a price is trying to like bribe Dumbledore to coming down to him and negotiate with him that's not the you know the opinion Dumbledore had of you before and i think he gets that back through you know stopping quarrel Dumbledore you know thank god you did that but but you know what it's it's interesting because if you're going to go back to change things okay you're back now you have the opportunity to prevent all your friends from dying how do you change things a little but not too much? Like how do you pre- – like, 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 like Meg was saying, how do you prevent that one fight that didn't really fix that much but still caused the fight that led to your relationship? Like how do you tweak the little things? Like yes, you can tweak things so maybe Ron and Hermione don't have the terrible, awful bickering that they had but still leave enough of it so that they get to know each other and still grow. See, maybe that was the core of their relationship. Maybe you should just leave it alone. Because it obviously progresses naturally and still comes to the same point. Maybe it took a little longer, but that's part of life. Sometimes things just take a little longer. And that's what I don't like about this Harry. It's like he wants everything to just happen right away. I'm sorry, but Ron and Hermione's relationship can't happen right away. Sirius can't get let out of Azkaban right away. Harry can't be with Ginny right away. I mean, mean, it's true in the books, but it's true in real life. How much of this, though... Is he trying to – isn't just – you know, wouldn't it have been nice if Ron and Hermione got together earlier? Wouldn't it have been, How much of this is actively seeking to 
fix the original timeline, i.e. prevent everyone from having died. See, I don't think it's so much even, I mean, obviously with Voldemort, it's when he wants to fix it with his friends. I think it's more, he doesn't want to wait for it to progress naturally. He, he goes back and he wants to have what he had five years ago in his world. And he's just trying, like, I want this Hermione to, to be my He's thing. trying to yeah. do too many little things. Like, it's like, yeah. he's trying to do all the things that'll keep everyone from dying, but then he's like, well, I'll also st- I'll stop Ron from knocking that vase over. You know, I mean, like, yeah. just because it would be nice if we still had that vase. I mean, but that that doesn't matter. So he, and he should be concerned about messing up the timeline, and he should... St- not be doing things that don't matter to his main goal. read a lot more science fiction. It's classic Star Trek. Like, I just watched um, (laughs) Star Trek. I think I I, I would be going, I've seen a Twilight Zone episode like this, and I think if I can just leave the dust where it's supposed to be, (laughs) then everything will turn out all right. Like, you know, I don't know. Who's seen the Star Trek movie with the whales? Oh, I love that one. She? I'm taking a potty break. <laughs> well, you talk about Star Trek. I like that one too. <laughs> well, I want, no, but here's a serious question. Like, there's an episode where they have to, they go back in time. It's part of their mission. They need this big piece of plexiglass. Okay, so they go. They have no money, so they go to the two of the of the of the human. They go to the big plexiglass corporation. All right, and they meet uh-huh. with the president. And they pretend that, you know, they're, they're these executives from another company and they go on the tour and the executive is very impressed because they have all this knowledge of the plexiglass stuff. So, do you know who Scotty is from Star Trek, the engineer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Irish, okay. Scottish yeah. one? Yep, the Scottish. So, he's, he goes on the guy's computer and he punches up the formula for this new type of glass that will be invented in the future that's like one inch thick versus six inches of what they have in the present day. And, it, you know, it's worth billions of dollars. There's this huge leap forward in, in the way the, you make the, 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 the stuff, whatever the stuff is. And he offers it to the head of the company in exchange for a big-ass piece of plexiglass, which they need for their mission. And one of the, you know, the, the, the characters pulls Scotty over in the corner and he says, you realize by giving him the formula, we're altering history. And Scotty's like, why? How do we know he didn't invent the thing? And he's like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like, that's the thing. Are Which you... is Scotty totally justifying. I remember that part. And yeah. I was like, oh, he did eh. totally, yeah, he did totally justify. But, <laughs> that's him well, like, yeah, but we need the plexiglass. So yeah, he right said, yeah, or Captain Kirk sells the glasses Dr. McCoy gave to him, you know, like in the past. And he's like, weren't those a birthday present? And he's like, yeah, but they will be again because eventually they'll get back to me. So, I mean, <laughs> th- I mean, that's, that's the thing. But how much of it is... I mean, you get, like I love the plot where um, Harry reads all the books on paradoxes, and he's told that if he makes any changes, he'll like destroy the universe and he'll end up in limbo forever. He's like, well, I don't feel like I'm doing the backstroke through eternity, so I've, maybe I can make some changes. But I, what was very interesting in the storyline, I'm curious what you guys thought, is that every time he tried to make a change, like the universe fought back. Yeah, I and like that. Things happen exactly the same. Is I really there, like that it wasn't so easy that he could just go down his checklist. Yeah, is there fate? Like, like he can't prevent Neville from being injured. He can't prevent himself from getting put on the Quidditch team. He can't prevent... It just happened in a different way. He, yeah, like, well, the one thing was, especially the scene in the bathroom with Hermione in the bathroom, McGonagall almost seemed to be like a force of fate. Like, she seemed to be going out of her way to make sure Hermione stayed in that back bathroom for the troll attack i mean it, it seemed like things were really the only time we really didn't see that was with um with with peeves and the dung bombs and the divination tower allowing them to get norbert out of there i mean that was the only scene all i can think of is joe rolling controlling fate 
and being like, um, no, I'm sorry, Harry, you may have a checklist, but this is what's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Well, like even like the like the last chapter where you have you know Vernon literally like turning into this monster, like literally saying, "I'm going to kill you," and like beating the ever living crap out of Harry. And Harry's last response before he blacks out is, "He's not going to stop." I mean, that was something t- like I like I like got chills like listening to the author's note. I was listening to it in my car, like gripping the steering wheel as I'm like about to crash into the person in front of me. You know, <laughs> saying that Harry made a mistake, he could have stopped it, but he was trying so hard to stay with the timeline that that was his mistake and now he's you know suffering the consequences for that mistake i like i'm fascinated just by the by the ethical questions by the moral questions it is fascinating i will definitely agree with that as far as the it's like no matter what he does there's a gamble it could be worse it could be better but and if it's worse, it could be a lot worse as far as him dying. Well, look at Neville. Look at the well, character. Yeah, I mean, that, wasn't Neville hurt worse than he was before? Mm-hmm. Neville was hurt worse than he was before? I think a few of the circumstances were worse than they were before. Yeah. And I, th- I can think of more circumstances later on. But, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not going to spoil them for Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I know it, what I'm just saying is, like, just giving you stuff to look forward to in the sense that it doesn't stop. Being interesting, right? I mean, the the thing I would like to point out too is like the character of Neville in canon. He's the kid who can't do anything right, and he eventually finds his own um, path, and he finds his own strength. You know, dealing with the Lestranges and dealing with his parents, and dealing with you know, literally, you know, the memory of all the people you know, who have come before him. He forces himself to be the person he is. Whereas in this timeline, you have a Neville who does not anticipate having friends, does not anticipate, he, he anticipates going down that lonely road, but Harry recognizes something in him in the beginning and he gets pulled into a group. It's, you know, the point where Ron is calling him mate and it's, you know, it's, it's a quartet versus yeah. the trio. I mean, th- th- like, the, the, like also, the, did you guys get the sense that, I mean, it seems like he has a crush on Hermione and that's not something from canon. The, the, I got the sense that that's because he's thrown into contact with her so much. Yeah. yeah like, I, I feel like by, by he, he could like, "Quote unquote," make it. I mean, he could make unintended changes by doing. Yeah, you get the sense that Hermione has a crush on Harry at one point. That Hermione Neville ship because he yeah. introduced them, and they're actually more perfect for each other than Ron and Hermione are. You See, know? and that to me is where it almost crosses the borderline of the author being a little self-indulgent. With like, boy, I wish Neville could have been their friend the whole time instead of. <laughs> well, this, book well, I, was, five yeah, to book I agree seven. with that. And then the thing where he tells the Sorting Hat to put Luna in Gryffindor. Yeah, but that's yeah. Next. that that bugged me a lot, isn't it? Yeah, well, I was just thinking that exact same thing. I'm not going to say it's self-indulgent, that. but that to me is the point. It's one of the reasons people come to fanfic. What if Luna was in Gryffindor? What if Neville right. was in Gryffindor? I mean, that's... I mean, it's self-indulgent, but it's not like none of us have ever thought it. It's not like I wasn't... Yeah. It's not like yeah. we weren't ever like, boy, I wish Ron and Hermione got together in book one instead of book seven. <laughs> but the point, you know, or but the boy, point I now wish is, Luna was in Gryffindor. But it's not just the question. It's not just the question of, you know, what if Luna were in Gryffindor, what if Ron and Hermione became friends? And then they all lived happily ever after. But, no, but, I, think that, yeah, well, I was going to say, the difference here is that it's all happening in the same fic. Like, I think it would be... Well, no, I mean, I'm yeah, not we're saying seeing this it. fic isn't good or interesting. I'm just saying, like, if, if it's one thing to have, like, 
say what if Luna was in Gryffindor, but like it, but once you're getting all these things in the same fic, it really does seem like self indulgence. Well, it's not only that in the same fic though. What I'm saying is, it's one thing I to think, question you know, what if um, Neville were their friend from year one. It's another thing to to read it. What would have like? It's one thing to ask the question. Oh, I wonder what would have happened dope. if. Ne- it's another thing to see you know Viridian sit down and say, "This is what would have happened if Neville were their friend from year one." You know, Neville would have given Harry. Like, I never even considered that the fact that Neville and Harry were born three days apart, you know, if, if the long bottoms and the potters are friends, it's probably a picture hanging around somewhere of them in the hospital. I mean, that to me was a very meaningful, mo- that was one of the more, you know, emotional moments, you know, up until, you know, the last words of, of chapter 10, that was one of the most emotional moments in the entire thing. I mean, the fact, or, you know, when, you know, Augusta Longbottom meets Harry and meets um, everyone at the train station, and Harry makes a point of pointing out the fact that Neville fought a fully grown mountain troll for his friend just to shock the old woman. I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, wouldn't it, like, yes, is it, like, would some people have preferred that Luna were in Rivendor to make it nice and easy? Sure. Would people have liked to write fix about you know, Luna and Ginny being roommates for plot purposes? Sure. But the thing is, is show us why it would be different. We've seen Luna in Ravenclaw without many friends. Show us what would have happened if she were in Gryffindor. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that because I'm curious. Okay, show me. What would it have been like? Show me how Neville is different five years from now because of the fact I that- think, though, what some of us are saying, and there's nothing wrong with what you're saying, is that the most interesting AUs and not that this isn't a fascinating AU because obviously we've been talking about it for three hours and none of us are tired. The thing that good AUs do very well like the ones that everybody reads and and this gets better too is you pick very specific small things that you change Mm -hmm. or one big thing that you change and then you see how just that one element changes everything. And I think when you start, it's it's not haphazard. I'm like I'm not trying to criticize the author. I'm just saying that sometimes as a fellow author, you're going, "That's interesting, but why couldn't that be another fic?" Just yeah, take I, this I, idea. I'm, I'm, and th- I'm thinking the same thing. Well, you I'm can't thinking. tell where one where the the effect of Luna being a Gryffindor ends and where you know Ginny being right. Aries. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'll certainly say this. I believe that you know at points, especially in the early chapters that the fic was overly ambitious. I'll certainly I'll yeah. certainly stipulate to that. I am enjoying the fact that Neville is involved earlier because I've never read that before. Let me say this. The reason maybe I'm, I'm more open to the Neville part, because to be honest, I had forgotten about the, the Luna line until you just had mentioned it. Neville, so far, I don't foresee a great change in Neville being recognized in year one or year five because I think it gets him to the same place. But I think that Ron and Hermione being impacted years earlier than they would have been, that has the potential for great change. You know, I, I don't particularly care what house Luna is in. It'll probably give us some great scenes in the Gryffindor common room. But other than that, I never saw the fact that Luna was a Ravenclaw really added anything. I think that the Ron, Hermione, any changes in their relationship will have the greatest impact down the road. I just don't think, I just didn't really see any great relevance. Right. To- I, need, I have this nitpick with a lot of AUs. And, I, and when we get to Living with Danger... Uh, definitely will become an issue. But at the same time, they've uh, they've uh, both written memorable AUs. The thing of it is, people really want to see all of these characters that we love in one convenient setting. And I think part of the problem with putting everybody in one convenient setting is that you kind of lose the basic conflict, the underlying conflict uh, of the Harry Potter series. If you put everybody in the same house, then you know there's no inner house unity. There's no... Yeah. You know, um, 
Harry has to overcome, you know, prejudices that he didn't know he had to trust a, a Slytherin or a Ravenclaw or a Hufflepuff. Or, oh, hang you on, know, Gee, hang, hold, hold that thought. Uh, we gotta let Meg go, everyone. It's Valentine's Day, and Meg, quite frankly, has better things to do. Meg, <laughs> we, we love you. We, Meg, we love you. Thanks for coming back. Okay, thanks, guys. I have fun. I was like, Hi, Meg. No, Hi, Meg. I'm tired. <laughs> okay. Have a good night, night Meg. Guys. Bye. Bye. Night, Bye. Meg. All right, Chief, keep going. I, I think if you take away too many conflicts, uh, the conflict of setting. When let's go back to your basic English class, we're talking about the different kinds of ma- of conflict, right? It's man versus man, man versus himself, and man versus the world, and man versus society, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you take away certain aspects of man versus world man versus setting in this case, then you lose some of the texture. Like, a good story has all of the elements. It has a little bit of every part of those conflicts, you know? Yeah. Harry has to fight himself when he's dealing with how much of, of Voldemort is me. He has to fight the setting because, you know, dividing people into houses con- creates social boundaries. He has to fight other people because they don't believe the same ideals that he does and he has to fight society because he's trying to change an ideal and that's you know that's that's what colors the harry potter world and if you take away one of those then the world kind of becomes more flat and the author has to do things to contrast that so i think that's what's going to be interesting to see if he does that successfully or not over the coming weeks p.s you had a point i think one of the things that you really tell about somebody. I think when someone has written an AU, and I think that is one of the most telling stories about the author's personal preferences in terms of everything about any given story. And I think, and I'm not saying, I don't know what Viridian's personal preferences are in terms of the characters that he likes, because I don't, I, I really don't. I did not read the author's notes in depth because I try not to do that. Well, while I'm in the middle of a, of a story, sometimes I'll go back and read them, but I don't like to really color. Oh my, my god! Neither do I. <laughs> oh my god! Especially if it's something we're going to. Especially if, if it's something we're going to be talking about like this, I kind of like to go into it. But in some stories, so I, I don't know what how he is on this. So sorry, Viridian, if you love Luna, but some setting setups like this send off alarm bells in my head. That this person must not like Luna very much because they because by changing it so much they're trying to make her less weird. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. So well, I think she's not yeah. good, she wasn't good enough as she was, you know. Right. So it's like if we, maybe if we put her in maybe if we put her in Gryffindor, she'll wind up less weird, and I won't have to write weird Luna. Well, the, I can, th- well, the two things I I think we have is that you know we're talking about Viridian and Viridian's thoughts. Um, on on the characters, and we're thinking of Viridian thinking of what Harry's thoughts on the characters would be. I, yeah. I don't know if at the point we're at, if we find out that something terrible, awful happens to Luna because she happened to be in Ravenclaw, maybe Ravenclaw <laughs> Tower falls down and she died, so he wants to move her <laughs> over the Gryffindor. But you know, we don't we don't know what the, what the story with that is, and I think that's one thing I'm trying to be careful doing here. And yeah. I, right, I wasn't. It, I was. Not no, no, I know. I'm, I'm just. It's I, the yeah. kind of thing that fix in when this happens in any fic, it sets off alarm bells in my head. Like it's just one of the things that does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Mean, yeah, I mean, I think that Viridian writes Harry being an idiot trying to change time, and I think Viridian knows Harry's being an idiot, 
and I think Harry doesn't think he's being an idiot because I think Harry is like got post-traumatic stress times four, and he. My sincere hope for this series. This sounds awful. Is I hope it ends as badly the second time around as it did the first time. Me too. Like I hope. Because- I hope- I really want to read a story like this where it just completely backfires in his face. I hope it ends exactly, worse. Exactly. Because, yeah, because I've, I've read the AU where, you know, they change it up and, you know, it's all sunshine and daisies and tip through, tiptoe through the tulips and blah, 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 blah. And I think that, you know, no matter what happens, something you can't, good can't triumph over evil unless good has to sacrifice something. Somebody's got to die. Somebody's got to give up. Somebody's got to, I mean, otherwise it's not this grand human drama. It's, um... He's the failed, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, we, you know, oh, it was a open and shut case, you know. We found, find it, kill it, bag it, bring it home. Like that kind of thing. Versus, yeah. you know, it's, it's just not as powerful if Harry doesn't lose Sirius. If he doesn't right. lose Dumbledore, yeah. you know. You know, book seven is powerful, in that he had to give up so much to get to this point and was so selfless at the end that he would give himself. I'm just going to quote Star Trek is really why change a good thing that works. The, the, the <laughs> last episode of Star Trek Voyager. Now, Star Trek, the, the plot of Voyager is that a spaceship is, is, is flung to the other side of the galaxy and it will take it 75 years to get home. And the plot of the last episode is the ship got home after 23 years. It found a shortcut. It got home after 23 years. But a lot of people on the crew died. Specifically, the captain's two best friends died. So what she does is she goes back in time. And her job is that she's going to make sure the ship gets home after seven years, which is conveniently when the the last episode airs, seven years in. So God knows why she picked that time. But she's going to go back seven years and she's going to make sure the ship gets home earlier before her two friends are killed. Now, the selfish act there, which isn't acknowledged in the plot, which is why it's a terribly written episode, is that, okay, now 23 years pass, all these kids are born on the ship, and they get home, and because, you know, there's a, there's a single guy in the ship who marries someone he meets back at home 23 years later, and they have kids, and there's this whole plot... You know, families are born, people get used to the fact that dad died on, on the Voyager mission, and, and there's this whole society that's born around this one event. Nope, nope, my friends died, I'm going back, I'm changing the whole damn thing. Okay, now that you change the whole damn thing and the ship gets home after seven years, some of the kids who were born in the original timeline will never be born. Some of the people who, you know, who lived will marry other people, causing, you know, other relationships not to get together because the right sequence of people, you know, are now alive versus dead. And it changes everything. Okay, Harry is not only going to sacrifice his life to go back in time, Harry is going to erase... Like, like Mike is talking about souls. There's a, there's a scene when Harry is remembering Tonks dying, and he's holding Tonks, and she's saying, I'm going to see Remus, and, he, and his response is, tell Ginny I'll see her soon. Assume for a moment you believe that Ginny is in the afterlife, and Ginny is waiting for Harry. Does that Ginny no longer exist because Harry wiped her out of existence because he went back and changed time? Is there like a different timeline where is everything that happened before happens with a dead Harry laying on the ground? But now, you know, there's this different world out there where Harry's living back as an 11-year-old with a 30-year-old's memories. I mean, it, it, it's not clear how that works. But, y- you know, when you just think of the whole thing, Harry is wiping – Harry brought Voldemort back. It took him 13 years to beat Voldemort. Suppose what he does now takes him t- – takes him 23 years and 10 years you know 
more worth of war, and everyone's dead. I mean, he nearly killed Neville. What if Neville died at 11 versus died at 6? I mean, he has the potential to not only... He's probably thinking, oh, well, you know what? My friends died before. If they die again, you know, at least I tried. He could kill everybody. The people who lived could die. I mean, he, he could really screw this up, but he's not thinking of mm-hmm. that. And I think that's... Thank I think, God. He, yeah, he's playing God, but he needs... Like, Let me even say this, too, because this is something that people commented on earlier. And again, yeah. It was the manipulation level. I feel like Harry, um, there's points when I feel like he's manipulating people, and there's points where I feel like he's really um, he's really feeling it. I think he was petrified that Molly Weasley would not consider him to be a son. And I think that he, the fact that she wrote, she made him the sweater, I think his, I felt like his note back to her was extremely um, from the heart. I feel like, mm-hmm. th- like the moment when I, ne- I agree, when, like it's, it was a legitimate fear of his. Yeah, when Neville gave him the picture, that was very emotional for him. Um, I feel like he manipulates Dumbledore. I feel like he manipulates um, Professor McGonagall, but I don't feel like he manipulates. Um, and this will be controversial for Ron and Hermione. I don't feel like he manipulates his friends. He may be trying to help them. Prov- I think he's kind of like Marie Brown at some points. And he's like, oh, I don't want you to make this mistake. But it may not be a mistake. But I think he's trying yeah. to genuinely help. Like he, he is manipulating them, but he doesn't think he is. It's kind yes. of a different intention. Yes. Like, yes. he doesn't care if he manipulates Minerva and Albus because it's – they, but because he doesn't care about them as much as he cares about his friends. But I think when he is – he is less ruthless with the kids because he, he recognizes that they are his friends. Right. You know what? Something mm-hmm. that did stand out, though? His relationship with Dumbledore – seems it seems like in the original few chapters like he has like the classic really close relationship with Dumbledore even though the, 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 even though Dumbledore's dead he's you know planning everything out with the portrait yeah and he goes back and um it's not the same much, Dumbledore yeah I, it's sad that it's kind of it's, to me it's kind of sad that the their relationship because it's really because Harry can't reveal like because I think it's really because Harry is afraid of giving away the future that he can't really get close to Dumbledore. Well, no, it is. I think Dumbledore was a very Dumbledore made a lot of mistakes in his life. I think after his death and after the he watched Harry's friends die and he had those that time alone with Harry as an old man. I think he really um, he he was able to say, okay, you know what? I was wrong. I made mistakes in my life. I screwed you over. I apologize. And he and Harry were able to come to that understanding. Whereas now it's day one and Dumbledore's pissing the hell out. You know what I mean? It's like all that's wiped away. Just like what you said. I mean, like if you went back to like when you were 11 and you like met the people that you met, I mean, what about your parents? I mean, like as an adult, you recognize that your parents had always had your best interests in mind. But then if you went back to when you were a teenager, you would hate them again. Right. Um, yeah, I think that I, I don't. I would not go back to having. I would not. I would like I said. I wouldn't go back to eleven or thirteen or fourteen or fifteen because you look back on it now and you're like, oh, I was so foolish. But the emotions that you felt at that age were genuine. I mean, you were really feeling frustration yeah. with your parents. Because see, that's getting you into were, body stuff, you know. Because like right. Harry, if you have Harry like talking to. Dumbledore and say he becomes angry that's because it's like a shot of hormones in his body and it's not a memory thing like in his head he right. knows that he knows that Alice is trying to do the best thing but like his body is like bad old man <laughs> yeah well like you know it's, you it's kind of like um, it's kind of like when you have PMS do you have this 
PS. We have, yes. we have PMS. You can see yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry, that sounded so funny. <laughs> no, you can you can see PMS, yourself. PMS, PS. I'm like, what? Too many acronyms. I'm sorry. Good. Okay, sorry. You can see yourself <laughs> being a bitch, but the real you is like 300 feet away, waving their arms, going, "Stop! You're being like, a nut!" And like the person that's the, oh, yeah. that's in control of your body is like seeing red and threatening to kill people and like I had PMS this week. Uh, I, I, I now know PS's schedule and her first name. It's just like it's just like, you know, it's kind of that tunnel and where like, you, and it, yeah. yeah, and it's a lot worse when you're younger too. When you don't know that what's causing the tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that that's what he knows worse. what's causing it though. Right. Right. But, I mean, right. It's, so it's still hard for him to it is hard. It's still for hard him to control. To stop. Yeah, it's hard for him to control. It, it, like, I mean, you guys, you've been through puberty, so hormones don't really all matter all that much to you unless you get a shot of testosterone through your system. But like women, we have to deal with it every day, and it doesn't matter to me that I know I'm PMSing because I'm still going to be insane. I can be thinking to myself, "This is just PMS," but I'm still going to be insane. There's nothing I can do about it, and. um and that'll be like anything. Like yeah, like yeah. last week when I was drugged out of my mind, like part of my body would knew that I was <laughs> talking about my breasts on the podcast. And like <laughs> I'm like stop talking about your breasts, but then like still my mouth is going flat. Flat. Yes, yeah. you were you were so crazy. You started talking about this idea of uh, Draco molesting Harry. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, Mike, I know that was you because Ryan told me. Because yeah, so. the day after the podcast, I asked Ryan what I said. I'm like, you were talking about your breasts, and she's like, "Oh, period, my period, God, period." <laughs> I'm like, if it makes you feel better, you actually didn't use the word breasts. I believe you called it your stuff, your memories. Uh, no, I believe she said stuff. I'm like, there's no way she's talking about her breasts because she said stuff. Really, who does that? But um, I think something else when you say stuff. I figured you did. I figured you did. <laughs> what, can we stop talking about P.S. Breast? <laughs> oh, good God. P.S. Breast molestashes. I can't even tell you what we're going to name this episode. But, um, well, no, it's, it's not only just the hormones. It's just like, okay, my father passed away uh, four, three and a half years ago. All right. So when I think of him, I think of, you know, like the, like the, the, the best of the best moments. I think of the, the stuff I put in the eulogy. I think of you know, just the funny things he said, you know, the parts of my life that aren't as great because he's not here. I think of all the good stuff. If I could go back in time five years and spend the day with him, I swear to God, I would want to strangle the man by lunchtime. You know what I mean? It's like, you yeah. don't remember, it, you, you change, you, you remember the good. Like if, if, if I, if, if I'm talking to Jen this weekend, well, probably, well, Jen is friends, but if someone asks me, like if my mother asks me about um, Chi, because she knows Chi, and, you know, we have a podcast, I'm like, I'm like, oh, she's, you know, I'll think of, you know, the times you've saved me on the forum, the, the, the funny stories, I'll think of you laughing, I'll think of the fun times. If we podcast tonight, we want to kill each other 30 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and, and I talk to you every day and I do that. So yeah. I think it's very fair for Harry to, you know, to go back in time and be like, oh, you know what, let's just tweak this and let's just... You know, Ryan Hermione. Yeah. I mean, that's the stupid thing he's doing. He's tweaking with things. Like, okay, if if PS went back in time, because PS is anal and organized. If PS was the one doing this, she would say, "Okay, what are my mission objectives? <laughs> I want I to would pre- make a checklist." She would prevent. <laughs> she would have 
she would not have a checklist. She would have an Excel spreadsheet. No. <laughs> by the priority. This is how Seriously. you know this. Like, we're talking about is Harry not written properly. Harry is written perfectly because he has no freaking clue what he's doing. <laughs> exactly. What I is his game plan? Because, like, it's, it's where I was saying earlier. I mean, like, is this, is this, like, it was like, as I was reading it through the first time, I was trying to figure out if this is like an uh, like a bad author or a brilliant author who has characterized an idiot character, and I now know that it's a brilliant author who has characterized an idiot That's character. exactly it. Smart Harry would have gone to Dumbledore then and been like, here are the Horcruxes, go destroy <laughs> these damn things for the next week. Yeah, I mean, like, seriously, think about this. My Mission one, kill Wormtail, because <laughs> nothing good can yeah. come from that. So like, kill I'm, Ron's I'm like- rat. Okay, I'm seriously thinking, like, the damn rat is in Ron's lap. I'm like, how are you not chopping his head off? Like, no, right remember now. when he breaks Ron's wand? And by the way, he broke Ron's wand. Restricted section. Go nuts. Um, he lands <laughs> on Ron's wand, and there was a crack. <laughs> but let me ask you this. I wasn't clear on that, because I listened to this. What was the point? Why was he breaking their wands? Because Ron apparently was using a wand that didn't belong to him, and he wanted to get Ron a wa- a his own wand. Which would be attuned to him, so his magic would perform better. And were they calling and Neville Nevada at one point? Did Neville have a nickname from Harry, like Nevada I didn't or something? Notice like it. Anyone? Okay, there was something I picked up. I have to read it again. There was a part I wasn't getting. I forgot where I was going. With the it. idea is he breaks the wand, and then he has an excuse to give Ron the money. Yeah. The, oh, that's right. Wand. That's right. I mean, seriously, like if you, like why? Okay, number one, kill Pettigrew. You know, killing Pettigrew will mean that Voldemort will never return. But he might return later. So step two, find the Horcruxes. And, and you know, like, he's, he does a great job of, of leaking to Dumbledore the fact that Pettigrew was the secret keeper. But, there, I mean, have some type of freaking game plan, man. Then you can know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you have to let Ginny go through the Chamber of Secrets, fine. But, you know, have a game yeah, plan. I mean, see, here's the thing. It's like Harry is coming off as being so ruthless. But then he won't. He has a huge blind spot when it comes to Ginny. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like if I were him, I would. It's like you could sacrifice Ginny to get an easy shot at the diary. I mean, you know, Ginny's not going to die. I mean, if you let it happen the way it happened the first time, she's not going to die. But you and don't know that. You don't know that because maybe because of something Harry did, he's not able to get there in time. It's not what happening I mean, exactly. Well, the same. What I mean is like, it, it, I think if you like monitored the situation or something, like if she if he knows she, she's down there. But I mean, we're getting into what P.S. would do, and I mean, ugh, that's confusing. <laughs> P.S. in the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> I um, sounded dirty, too. <laughs> no, it did it. It did. I love thing how me and Mike tomorrow will laugh and laugh and laugh. I think the important <laughs> thing is you get what I mean. I do get what you mean. I, I do I do get what you mean. I mean... Good, the, then please explain it to me. No, yeah, I, mean, I mean, the yeah. thing is, it's like, he, um... He's trying to protect. He's trying to you know what he's doing. If you go back in time, there's things that you you set out to fix. What you're going to fix, like right. I don't it's, it's, making it's Neville your fix yeah. things, but he's also afraid to for afraid. It's what I was saying. I mean, he has a blind spot when it comes to Ginny. Like he can be ruthless with everybody else. He can make eleven year old Ron Hermione Neville do really advanced things. Well, you but know, he's like it's, not going to let Ginny break a nail. Here's the thing. The, yeah, it's true. He's the, the, here's the thing: the fact that Ginny went four years without Harry and then fell in love with him worked. She fell in love with him. The thing is, he doesn't want to wait. He doesn't want to wait yeah, four years. You can't fix, but Harry, you can't fix what ain't broke. I mean, yeah, you know, he he's like, you know what? I want her now. I don't want like, her. They to have could to get together 
Yeah. Let's get Very together. soon, like they could get, they could get together in, in say Goblet of Fire when they're fourteen and thirteen, and then they could break up two years later because who who marries the person that they were dating when they were fourteen? You know. Yeah, I would like to see this Ginny break up with. That would crack me up so much if she dumped them in sixth year. <laughs> <laughs> My, that's not nice. That's but after all this, like I want everybody to die. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if she mentioned that he goes through all this, that she dumps him in six year, like oh, it's a teenage crush. <laughs> Molly, but was like, right. do, do you get what I mean? Because it's like if you don't, I mean, the same thing could happen with Ron and Hermione. I mean, like, yeah, he's playing by rushing with things, fire. Things he could do wrong. He's playing with fire. Yeah. And I will say this, I am deeply, because I think we're getting near the end of this tonight, I am deeply engaged in the story, and I want to see what's happening next, because we're at the point in the series, or the story, where, like P.S. said, I feel like it's a very smart author who is writing a very flawed character, and I think that's extremely more interesting to read than the alternative. And I want to know the repercussions of Harry making these mistakes because it seems like you know Vernon's being the ever-living crap of and we're going to get him and I'm very interested to see where the story goes from here um, and, and I, I'm really looking forward to the next set of chapters yay yep. me too, me too. I wish I'm I excited out. this is very exciting alright with that we're all going to bed <laughs> Just be glad the fourth track was broke that day Cause you grabbed a guitar and I heard you say That the top of the pops better get ready For the new hit single from the Weasler Goes from I think Viridian does a very good job in the story handling the boundaries between the 10-year-old Jenny and this um, 11-year-old Harry, except that he's not really 11, um, and what his experiences do to warp his perspective, and is he really, you know, what age is he really, um, and the fact that, you know, while he does have constant reminders of this girl that he once loved and he left behind that he recognizes that this Jenny has not yet had the opportunity to become that person and that that process would have to occur before anything could really happen between them on a romantic level she would have to grow up um but more importantly that that's not really the reason that he returned he returned so that she along with the rest of the characters could actually have a life and if that life doesn't include harry um you know while he'd be heartbroken he is prepared to deal with the fact that you know she hadn't finished growing up in the previous timeline she certainly hasn't finished growing up in this timeline and he has to be willing to let her make those choices because you know as it is ultimately um it's her life that he's trying to save along with everyone else's she has to be free to live it the way that that she wants to um you never really get the impression that that harry is lusting thirstily after a child in the story it's just reminders of a previous relationship and i think you know anybody can go through that in any particular relationship you can see a part of someone in someone else and i don't think that you know you could get away from that in this particular storyline but i think Brittany did a good job with it and now a word from our peons when you want to kill a kangaroo, you actually have to shoot it. What's the point shot- of a boomerang? Uh, I'm not Aboriginal. I don't know how to throw. Throw them around the world so they can. You come call back. yourself Australian. I could kill a grizzly bear with a boomerang. You could not. I could too. My no. hands are full of crap. I'm no. gifted to that. <laughs>
No. Two grizzly bears at once. No. Uh-huh. No. By boomerang, do you mean huge freaking shotgun? Hi, I'm Keza. Mike. Richard. Jen too. And I'm Tina. And we're Peoncast. And this week, we are doing a fic, Listen to Your Heart, by, how do you say that? Oh, it's Rider <laughs> of Life 037. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, Richard, okay. tell us why you like the fic. Okay. The reason I like this fic, and there's reasons I don't like it too, but I'll start with the good ones first. In essence, it is a harmony fic, and... Everybody knows that I have a sort of a Jones for Harmony Fix. That's what got me started on it. That's why I actually kept reading. It's angsty, a lot, actually. Um, some of it is a little bit overplayed. I, if I wish I had a clear-cut reason to say why. It's just something that I've always really enjoyed. And, and the song is good, too. But Yeah, I like the song. Oh, that's a cool song. Well, i got to be honest here, guys. I'm normally positive about most fix, but this one, I have to say, it really bugged me that there was, like, 20,000 typos. She doing like, she and Luna used to be good friends. She was supposed to be the maid of honor. Then it's, Jin, I know something is wrong. You're a little sister to me, and I've been able to tell when anything is wrong. Now what is it? Or, um, this was supposed, again, with no D, to be the happiest day of, of this life. Instead of now, does, life. Mike, does that totally ruin a fic for you? And I can get there being, like, one or two in a story, but when mm-hmm. I go down... Like, you know, everyone, every, no one's perfect. Everything slipped through. But if I go down and I see, like, 12 of these in a one-shot, then it starts to take something away because if you can't get into the flow of it because every time you start reading, suddenly you have to stop to figure out what she's trying to say in the sentence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I do. Thanks Sorry. for tearing apart my fig, Mike. <laughs> I, I'm feeling she-ish. I'm channeling my inner she. I mean, they bother me, but I just read past them. Sometimes I can do that, and sometimes I can't. It depends. Well, it depends on, on how bad they are. Exactly. And it depends I mean, if, if I'm invested in the rest of it as well. If I'm not enjoying the story very much, I'll notice them more. It's good I could say the same. See, there's another point I wanted to make as well. Um, now, I don't know. I guess this is getting a little too, uh, a little bit of sketchy territory talking about like suicide and stuff because that's what this fic ultimately ends in. Oh, you've just ruined the ending. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. Go on. So the ending, Jenny jumps off a cliff. There you go. Um. <laughs> Which is why I cannot like this at all. I can't See, believe I you me read a fic where Jenny jumped off a cliff. Well, that's just how our harmonians are fighting back. This is what I have to do. I'm sorry. Um, but, no, I'm kidding. But, see... After everything I've done for you, Richard, and you made me read a fic where Jenny jumped off a cliff. <laughs> I don't find it that realistic that she would jump off a cliff. See, I was... I think I was, she fights more than that. You know, she fights... Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, to me, yep, you know, she loves him so much. She loves her family so much. She loves all this stuff so much. Then why are you going to take the self-choice to go and do something like this? I mean, granted, every time that something like this happens, or whether it's an attempt or someone actually does it, it's not, you know, the reasons can vary, but this particular reason was supremely selfish, and if you really love somebody that much, even if they are with somebody else, I don't think you would do that. On their wedding day, no less. She's very spiteful about it, too. I mean, it's not the nice thing to say, because she killed herself, but I couldn't help feeling a little sorry for Harry and all that, personally. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to, you get married, it's supposed to be, like, the best day of your life, and she's wrecked it. And, yeah, so she didn't do that, and... 
Well, I mean, and Hermione's her best friend, and Hermione didn't even know. And then all of a sudden, she goes and flings herself off a cliff and ruins the wedding, and just very unjust-like, yeah, very mean. <laughs> it was very spiteful, and I was very disappointed in Jenny. <laughs> Maybe it is some type of not so subtle way of. Like Richard said, I mean, he was kind of joking, but maybe it is some, you know, the Harmonians have kind of taken their grief, and maybe the author felt that that was, you know, was a, a way to... I don't like any of the music except Charlie. I love Charlie. For one, he's he's not gay, but he just loves his dragons more, so that just kind of, yeah, that's kind of interesting. And Bill, he's Bill's just awesome. He's got the hottest chick alive. And, but everybody else is just Ron, Jenny, Fred and George, maybe, but Ron and Jenny are just, they're so boring. <gasps> Let's not go there. Let's not go there. I'm not saying anything. But they're his best friends. No, seriously. With, you know, no matter who you ship or, or whatever, Ron is his best friend. How, how do you write a fic that doesn't include his best friend unless you kill them all? Oh, don't ask him that, Kessa. Well, you're not going to live, sir. It's actually very... Is Harmonians are just wrong. The majority of us are... <laughs> incest. It is. Well, like like Richard, right. you, you know that it's Terry Ginny, that's what the canon is. You still like the idea that somewhere down the road, Harry and Hermione would get together. And that's fine. It's really what it is, is Richard likes Anna Watson. Actually, I do. Her birthday Speaking. is 18 very soon. I'm really just going to start stalking her. It has nothing to do with Hermione and everything to do with Anna Watson. So speaking uh, of Hermione, you know what I find really odd? It's in this fic, so I guess it brings us slightly back on topic. Are, 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 are those fics where they have Hermione as best friends with Ginny? Because like it seems, this is my impression coming away from the canon, that not that they're not friendly, and they probably even consider each other friends, but it doesn't seem like they interact a ton outside of the holidays. And it seems to me that the people Ginny would be closest friends with would be the people in her own year who are her own roommates. I never saw Ginny and Hermione as best friends. Yeah. I saw them as friendly, yeah, and hanging out, but I never saw them as best friends. I always saw Luna as Ginny's best friend. Yeah, like, if it wasn't for Ginny being Ron's sister and Ron being, you know, Harry's best friend, I don't think that Hermione and Ginny would ever have been friends. I agree. They they hang out together. It's a it's a friendship of mutuality. And now that they're all one big happy Wee's family, I'm sure that they are family and they get along. A lot of fics have them being BFF. And, exactly. and they're, I, they're just they're two very different people. Exactly. Especially after Ginny's little snark fest on her and Half Blood Prince. Don't you know? Start talking about Quidditch. You just you don't you don't know what you're yeah. talking about. I forget the exact line, but you know yeah. that kind of. You guys have to put in context, though. Okay, let's say five years after Hogwarts, they're all uh, Ron and Hermione and Harry and Ginny. They're everybody's all married up, and Ron and Harry are, of course, best friends. And I think like after everything is over as far as school and after the Voldemort thing is over, they're going to become closer just naturally. Yeah. So, you know, I agree. I agree, and that's kind of what I said. I just don't think at Hogwarts that they were these great friends. You know, talking girl talk up in the dorm rooms on a Friday night. You know what I no. mean? No, Hermione had other priorities. Yeah, Jenny and not was, to say they weren't friendly and that they didn't hang but out. But Jenny or was whatever. sporty and social. But and how many things have you guys read? Popular tons. Yeah, there's tons. so many. They're always yeah. best friends. But to be yeah. fair. 
this fic is after Hogwarts, and, you know, you have to sort of put everything into context, like I was in Tina as well, she said, too. But. Oh, yeah, I think they will become friends, yeah. I just don't think they started off as friends. And like we said, if they've spent, you know, so many holidays together and summers, you know, they're going to be friendly. They're going to have a friendship. I just don't think that it really existed at Hogwarts. I think that it might have existed on holidays and summer times. Exactly. But I think it's one of those things that, you know, you go away for the summer and there's a kid that you always played with when you were a child, but you never really talked to him outside of school. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. You know, they were cool when you were there, but when you went back to school, it was, nah, nah, nah. I'm not, no. And how close could they be that Hermione doesn't recognize that Ginny's this depressed? Exactly. I was going to say that, Mike. That good friends, and Harry, too. I mean, he's a little obtuse, but if she is that desperately in love with him and they can't see that she's about to throw herself off a cliff, then they really didn't know her that well. I have a question, too, about that. I mean, I hate to say... I'm not trying to be negative about the fic, but, I mean, if we're all superpower wizards here, somebody's jumping over the side of the cliff, can't you do something to catch her or something? I mean... Well, doesn't he try? He just yells, hey, He tries do to. He tries to. He screamed. That's he just said, Oh, I suppose he didn't get out his wand. He could have done a slowing thing like Dumbledore did when Harry fell off his yeah. butt or something. And, 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 and he climbs down to her. He climbs down to her. I'm thinking, why didn't he just levitate her back up? Yeah. That's awfully dangerous to go down that cliff. He could fall and hurt himself. He should have grabbed a broom. It's not very wizardy. So yeah, let's be honest. Like I know PS doesn't like Jenny and Harry together, and I I don't mind them together. But you have to admit, in canon, that's not a healthy relationship. What they have going. I mean, you know, they don't really talk. She's like a trophy bride, and that's no. Serious. You just don't see it. You don't see it. Harry's our point of view, and we don't see it. Well, how many he's how happier than he How many times do you go through and read something, and it's Thanksgiving, and the next thing it's Christmas? I mean, well, she doesn't way. tell you what they did every day between we, they, the time the happiest in the common room. She doesn't, but we get a good sense of Harry's relationship with Hermione, and Harry's relationship with Ron. That's and because they've had six years to build on it. Right, but I'm, that's what I'm, I mean. I'm not saying you know. You're saying that the they don't is. have a good relationship because they got together. No, no, what I'm saying is, we, reading that, reading that book, me, I don't get the sense that he really knows her, or who she is, or that this is true love in the canon that's destined, you know, for marriage, like the basis of a solid, lifelong relationship, versus kind of teenage, make out in the broom closet kind of relationship. No, see, I I feel completely the opposite. I do too. Same. Chope was the making out in the broom closet for fun type of crush. So I never made him feel the way Ginny makes him feel. We're told that. I mean, obviously that's the case because he winds up marrying her, and he, and he says that. But my point is, I don't feel there's a, from reading Kenan, I don't, other than him just saying that, I don't come away with that impression. Whereas I consider him and Ron as friends, not because he says Ron's my best friend, but because reading the interaction, that you, you, does that make sense what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. It does. It does. Yeah. And here's the thing. That's the, the people who shipped Harry and Ginny knew it was Harry and Ginny back in Goblet of Fire because oh, they picked oh. up on all the little things. I knew from book one it was going to wind up Harry Ginny. From the oh. train scene, you know it. Well, in hindsight, you can say. But see, then now, you're, now you're saying that it, you didn't, there wasn't anything to build up to that point. I'm talking from the author's standpoint, like how she writes the books. I can see plot-wise this is coming. But what I don't see is, like intellectually, I know it's coming. And intellectually, I know okay, they're going to be soulmates, they're going to be living together. But on an emotional sense, their bond to me doesn't seem as strong or as real or as fleshed out as does, say, his friendship with Ron, or even Ron and Hermione's relationship. 
or even how even Snape and Lily's relationship. Intellectually, I know, oh, this is how it's going, this is how it's meant to work. Does that make sense, what I'm saying at all? I get it. I get it, but I don't, I mean, I don't agree I don't with agree you. either, but we'll leave it at that for tonight. <laughs> we can agree to disagree. Exactly. I think that Joe puts a lot of things between the lines in these books, and yeah. that if you don't look for them, or you don't see them when you read it the first or the second time, you don't realize that they're even there. I have to admit something to you about the, what you just said. It took me 12 times to read through 1 through 5 to realize that here and Hermione weren't happening. So I can go, you know, I can go with that. But I, also, I see Mike's point as well about how it's not, there's not, a, not a much in-your-face evidence about what's going on. I mean, of course, like you said, you know pretty much from the beginning what's going to end up happening. It's just not, there's no detail on, like, their actual relationship. You just know that's how it's going to be. Yeah, but it's also a statement of Harry's character, too. Harry's a very closed kind of person. You know, you get you get the part from Hermione's perspective. You get it from Ron's perspective. You get it from their friendship from Harry's perspective. But Harry falling in love with Jenny, you get that part from Jenny's perspective. But Harry's still a very private person, yeah. so he's not just going to come out. So well, that was our fix for this week and our discussion on Harmony and what it means to the fandom. <laughs> And next week we're going to do another fic. We don't know what it is yet either, so we'll all get a surprise. So I'm Keza. I'm Mike. I'm Richard. I'm Jen too. And I'm Tina. (laughs) And we're Peoncast. Bye. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye. If you've heard anything in this episode that you would like to comment on or would like to contribute to the show, you can email any of our staff at their names at potherfickweekly.com or you can email staff at potherfickweekly.com. If you would like to send in a voicemail message, you can either call 781-352-0643 and you can leave a voicemail up to two minutes in length or you can email us an audio file to our email address and we can play that on the show. You can also download a program called the Gizmo Project and you can uh, contact us that way through your computer. For more information, visit potherfickweekly.com.